passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bryant is barely moving. Kofi measuring the champion. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our WrestleMania 35 post show. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. It is 2.45 in the morning of Monday, April the 8th, and we are going to go through the longest show in WWE history. Is that official? It's the longest WrestleMania in history, and I am not aware of any show that has gone longer under the WWE banner. And, and do you have a final clock? I was told afterwards it was seven hours and 25 minutes, including from 5 o'clock p.m. till they went off the air at, I guess, 12.25 a.m., causing havoc for those that were trying to get back into New York afterwards because the uh, the train to get into New York ended at 1 a.m. and tons of people were stranded at MetLife Stadium. And it sounds like if you have a car and are willing to drive people, you can be making a killing uh, as Uber and Lyft are. So it seems that uh, running so late, this caused havoc for commuters. I think it's become a serious, serious problem. I mean, it's been a problem in previous years, not just for that issue, but all weekend, the number one complaint I've heard from people about WrestleMania, why they might be choosing not to go to WrestleMania, what they're least looking forward to WrestleMania, has been the length, the length of the show. Um, not even taking into account issues like that, how people are going to get home. This is something they seriously have to address. I, I think that it's the absolutely there's a responsibility on the promotion. And, you know, it's interesting because had had all of those people who had to get to New York, they're looking at their watch. Um, if they had been filing out during the main event, uh, I think that there would have been lots of people talking online about people walking out during the main event and not connecting the dots of people had to get home and this is something that i mean we've heard wh talk about this and uh and others like in japan of times when they've had to you know these marathon shows that there are there's a cutoff to for those that might live out of the way that have to get home when a final train is running but knowing this issue 
Mm. Like I do feel the company should not be creating a dilemma where you, the consumer, have to choose between staying till the end of the show to watch the biggest match on the show and getting home safely afterwards and not getting gouged for an enormous Uber ride if you have to get back to New York. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it just... And it started raining as well. So all these people were waiting in the rain. And I've seen photos and it looks like a disaster. We were very lucky. We got out of there okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we're very lucky our driver... Tyler didn't take his offer from some random guy. Yeah, he had offers. Uh, for $100 to ditch us. So thank you, Tyler. But here we are. We have watched all of WrestleMania. We're, gonna, we're going to go through all of it. Um, before we get into it, I want to talk a bit about our day. Yeah. Uh, but we have a sponsor for tonight's show. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Uh, once again, uh, throughout this episode and throughout uh, some future episodes of our uh, post-wrestling WWE pay-per-view post-shows, we will be going to the very beloved Grapple app. The Grapple app, G-R-A-P-P-L. It boasts about 4,000 registered users now, and it's looking to keep growing. Download it. Follow them at Grapple app. Uh, in fact, you can even listen to to grapple now because our good friend Benno from the British Wrestling Experience, he's actually uh, he used to run a show. He used to uh, 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 host a show called the Indie Spotlight, and now it's been rebranded, John, to the Grapple Spotlight. So go check that out, and we'll be going to Grapple ratings throughout this review. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Um, so today we had, or yesterday we had our live show at the Broadway Comedy Club, and. Uh, Wait, your overall thoughts on how the show went. We got to meet so many listeners. It was overwhelming. I'm, I'm sorry if I sound sound like a little bit... Uh, it's three in the morning. The place. There's just so much, like, so much shit ha- has happened today. Um, and just even setting this, like, whole thing up in our hotel to record this while trying to record a live thing for YouTube at the same time. And, like, all this shit... There's been a whole lot going on, so. Uh, but I'm how uh, our day started though with this show. I couldn't have been more happy. Like, I think WrestleMania like is one thing. Doing these podcasts is is one thing. But that live show um, was probably the thing I was most ner- nervous about on this trip. And it's I would say maybe one of the biggest undertakings, if not the biggest undertaking, we've really taken ourselves in this whole process. Putting on like sort of like a ticketed live show. Like, we've done kind of, you know, meetups and Q&As, but we've never charged for them. The moment you charge for them, I think you're you're held a lot more accountable. Yeah, we were we were very concerned about that, making sure everyone felt they had their money's worth. And, yeah, yeah we I, I don't think either of us uh, definitely take anything like that for granted. Just people's time. I mean, to come out on what is typically the probably their busiest day of the year when it comes to wrestling, and they're going to be consuming a lot of wrestling that day. So to come out, uh, we can't thank all of you enough. Um, Me and Wei kind of had our internal hope of, you know, a number that we'd be really happy with, and we we blew that out of the water. So um, the final number was just... A sellout crowd of 82,200... 53, everybody. Uh, yes, yeah. When we have our uh, our earnings report, you'll get the real number uh, when it when it comes out. But yeah, we just we're so, we're so blown away by this of all the people that showed up. We got to meet so many of you. Uh, Brandon from New Jersey, we got to meet. I mean, see, he he, we met him, and we didn't realize who he was until after the Q and A. 
Because he did not ask a question, everybody. He did not, Very no. disappointed. I was ready for some meanderings. I thought we were going to get some live meanderings I think from a Brandon. lot of people were very disappointed. But at the same time, I think he has an identity to protect. Yeah, That's well, what he said. He's got to protect the character. Yeah. Uh, so thank you to everybody that came out. Uh, I'm sure that we will be uh, making some announcements in the future, maybe about some... Uh, Future shows. Yeah, we're really happy with the way things turned out, um, and therefore I think you know this was an experiment for us to see if like there was any interest, and and we're happy enough with the results that we will definitely do it again. But I want to thank um, all the people that helped us. You know, primarily our producer Robert, uh, Caitlin, who uh, ran our, our merch stand and, and helped out a great deal as well. We had uh, Peter and Delaney who were helping us out. Uh, Jesse who was also um, helping, helping us as photos. well and uh, taking photos as yeah. well. Tyler, of course, and uh, also the MC for the evening, Mr. I Am All Talk, Donovan Fernandez. So thank you guys so much. We had just such a fantastic team helping put the show together. It was definitely beyond way and myself and this yeah. show would not have been put together without those people helping us and it was just just awesome people to work with it's uh, been yeah it's been like overall just a great experience so anyway we we'll get to the wrestlemania review yeah we uh we are going to keep this uh, train rolling because there's a lot to discuss wrestlemania we arrived at metlife stadium at about 3 30 p.m in the afternoon which mm-hmm. is when doors were opening and thus we began the impossible task of just getting into MetLife Stadium. We got into one line, then we moved to another line, of which we slowly moved for about an hour. And I was thinking, we're not even going to make it in for the first match at this rate. I don't know when we're getting in, but this is... I'm just like, how does this happen? Like, they do they do football games here throughout a season. They, they put people in here. Probably happens for every football game. I cannot fathom that. But then all of a sudden, they opened this other gate. They sent us all there. And we were directed to the media gate, which was all the way around to the other side of the stadium. A lot of walking, but we got there. And then we got in. It was smooth sailing once that other gate opened and we got out of the line from hell. But we were just standing there for an hour. And I just I, I just didn't know when this line was going to end. I met some really interesting people, though. Wrestling fans from Macon, Georgia. That's right. Yes. Yes. We met them. Uh, It's always nice to mingle with fellow wrestling fans right before a a big event. There was also a plane circling MetLife Stadium continuously promoting the Viceland series that debuts this Wednesday, the dark side of the ring. And we saw several highway posters for it. Uh, It seems like the advertising budget was of no concern uh, to Vice as they promoted this, including uh, <laughs> renting a plane to fly over top the site of WrestleMania for an hour or so. Well, it's extremely, you know, time just to take advantage of the big crowds in front of WrestleMania. Uh, like, yeah, on the way to the highway, there was a, a big, you know, billboard. Um, still waiting on Damian Abraham's uh, The Wrestler's advertising budget, too. But uh, well, that's in Canada. That. Maybe they'll get like a bicycle going around Young Street uh, <laughs> promoting with the with with Damien or something yeah. like that. Um, we will definitely be talking about those episodes. I've I've seen the first one on Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. So after those air, uh, Way and I will be uh, talking about them. I don't think Way you've seen any of them. I have not. Although uh, Viceland has put up the Bruiser Brody episode on YouTube, so people can watch it ahead of time that's the one they screened at starcast last year so okay. that one is up and you can watch it already so I, I think there'll be interesting episodes to talk about in the future but we got we got into wrestlemania made our way up to the uh up to the press box 
Mm-hmm. Um, to continue my my breakdown of uh, media rooms, I thought this one was great. It was a really great setup, and I really have no complaints. We were enclosed inside of this um, inside of the glass where where the media is, but it to me was not a big issue. Um, I wasn't out there with the crowd, so we were kind of following on the monitor and. It wasn't a big issue, but way you kind of started off in the media box and then you uh, you took off. Yeah, um, I've actually been in this one before because we were here a little last. 2013. Time. Yeah, so I recognized it, and you know, with all these newer ones, especially I, I would assume for football stadiums that are up in in the northern, I guess uh, you know where it snows, they're yep. sealed off in basically glass, so you're behind it. Yeah, it's great. I would say probably decent for a football game, but for professional wrestling, where I think half the battle if not more than that is hearing the audience i just couldn't get a proper assessment of what i was watching simply looking at it and then hearing like commentary that was really echoey and pretty quiet from where i was sitting so i just uh went down so the show began, the kickoff began at 5 p.m. Eastern time. We had Jonathan Coachman, Paige, Sam Roberts, and JBL on the panel. And then the first match got into the ring around 5.30. And that was Buddy Murphy versus Tony Nese for the Cruiserweight title. We've seen in past WrestleMania events where at times the first match is a terrible slot because the stadium is so empty. It certainly was not full, but... I thought that there was at least a healthy crowd there by the time the first match got in. Doors had been open for two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they had people. It wasn't like I remember in Dallas where it was just it was just so empty because so few people had gotten into the stadium. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was uh, bare by any means. Um, just, you know, spotty. And I'm sure they were prepared for that. So Murphy got his right eye busted open early on in the match. He had a cut above it, and they had to kind of deal with it with that curveball. Nice countered Murphy's Law for a roll-up for a two-count and then delivered a reverse Hurricane Rana. Uh, nice also hit an Omori driver, and then Murphy rolled to the floor, allowing Nice to hit his Fosbury flop, followed up with a 450 inside the ring. Murphy comes back, flying knee, Murphy's Law, but Nice gets his foot on the rope, and then he comes back, hitting the running Nice, and pins Buddy Murphy at 10 minutes, 43 seconds to win the Cruiserweight title. I really thought, uh, especially Tony Nese, had a great performance in this match. Um, I, I thought this was, I would say, a, a bit above what I was expecting going in. I thought this was one of the better matches on the show, but it's one that probably is not going to get remembered by the end of the night. Yeah, I would say so. I thought for an opener, they were really given a whole lot to do in terms of how much moves they can use. Um, so didn't really seem to be any concern regarding that. I thought the action as usual was, you know, fast and excellent for these two. Again, I couldn't really hear the commentary or the crowd for this one. So I really had no gauge of how the crowd reacted to it. Yeah, what did Grapple give this one? Grapple gives this one 3.2 out of 5. Then we had Lillian Garcia in the ring for the Women's Battle Royal to announce uh, the participants, which were Asuka, Naomi, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Nikki Cross, Selena Vega, Candice LeRae, Kyrie Sane, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, Mickey James, Maria Kanellis, Carmella, and Dana Brooke. So some last-minute additions, the big one being Ember Moon, who made her return after her, after her injury. Yeah. So this was her return. I don't know if the Battle Royal is the best place to return people, but they had two returns in the two Battle Royals. Yeah, I don't I don't really think so either. Um, at the very least, I would have given her her own entrance just to kind yes. of make a big deal out of it. Yeah, but I would have too. Maybe. I mean, 
you know. uh, Naomi and Asuka got their their own entrances, but the rest all came out as a group. I feel like so much of it, though, maybe it's just because you know, maybe they don't feel like Ember is a, as big of a star as Naomi or Asuka. Certainly Asuka deserved her own. Yeah, I, I really question doing the return at WrestleMania. I think well, look, save it for the next night. Everybody wants, like, all. if you're telling, everybody wants to be on WrestleMania. Uh, maybe they need bodies and, you know, everybody just wants to be on this show. I guess so. So, Canellis was the first elimination. Then Moon eliminated Naomi. Uh, so, that was the first major uh, elimination that we saw. She also hit the Eclipse onto Rose. Uh, Lana was dressed up as Wonder Woman. And she was the one that got to eliminate Moon. And the audience was very surprised by this. It seemed, um, first off, Moon coming back, it would be a logical pick. And also, uh, the woman who I was thinking was this whole match was designed around, Lacey Evans. She did have a role on the show, but it was not in the Battle Royal. Nope. Yeah, she, I would say, um, probably had the mo- one of the most forgettable roles on this show by the end. I would say many people were pro- are probably scratching their head when I said that she had a role on the show. It mm-hmm. was that minor. Uh, Kyrie Sane, who was uh, in this match as well from NXT, hit the insane elbow onto Logan. And then the Riot Squad, uh, just wearing wild, uh, getting several eliminations. Uh, Dana Brooke got her spot to kind of fire up and tossed out Riot and Morgan. So that was her big moment. But then Rose and DeVille took over, knocked Dana Brooke out. And eventually, we come down to Asuka, Sonya Deville, and Sarah Logan. And Asuka eliminates DeVille and... Then Logan tosses out Asuka, and Logan thinks that she's won the match, but she forgot that Carmella was still in the match. She comes back from the floor, which, you know, we just saw it with Kenny King, and it just feels like this is becoming such a cliche now in the Battle Royal. The elimination that you forgot about, or the the non-elimination with the participant that is still alive. It just seems like we're seeing so many of those. Yeah, definitely, and certainly, you know... Ring of Honor doing it with Kenny King has no bearing on WWE choosing to do it. Here. I'm just saying in general, like it, it seems like it is a yeah. it is a go to trick now. It's well, they did do it in the men's as well. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah we'll get so to that. I guess you can criticize that, but I mean, it seems to work, you know, which is. But I, I do agree, they overuse it. So Carmella's still alive. They fought on the apron. Carmella kind of messed up her kick that sent Logan to the floor. 10 minutes and 31 seconds. Carmella won. And then her father, who's a former professional wrestler, uh, was there in the front row. So Carmella hugged her, uh, hugged him and wins. Yeah. Uh, what this means, I don't know. I think it was just a hometown win because I certainly don't see Carmella getting another title um, opportunity anytime soon. Like these, these mean nothing Like to me, the Andre Battle no. Royals. Like the one that maybe it's meant the most for is like... I don't know Baron Corbin because he happened to to you know debut with his win. It kind of made him look a bit strong. But beyond that, did Cesaro end up really have, having any push as a result? No, I'd say Mojo Baron Raleigh? included. I, I don't think that that specifically has done anything for I, these people. Yeah, it's just you know they and I think that's unfortunate because I feel like this type of spotlight on a show like this could do great things for a, a, an up and comer. So I wouldn't have picked Carmella myself, despite the fact that she is from Staten Island. I would have gone with somebody like a Mandy or Sarah Logan who could stand to, you know, um, raise rank uh, from from a win like this. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was an entertaining battle royal. I thought, you know, I had pretty low expectations considering the level of talent in it, but I thought it was well booked, uh, gave good spotlights to the Riot Squad, uh, Rose and DeVille even, and even Dana Brooke somewhat impressed me in this match. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was kind of what I expected. Uh, no better, no worse. Yep, uh, and uh, Grapple 
Raiders have given this one a 1.56. I can't say that wrong. Uh, the Revival versus Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder for the Raw Tag Titles. This also on the kickoff show. Uh, the Ra- Revival just cut off the ring and they took uh, advantage of Zack Ryder for a very long period of time. And finally, he made the hot tag. Kurt Hawkins, this guy... This was the biggest moment of his career, getting this hot tag at WrestleMania. He fired up, and you could just see that this guy was, like, unlike Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, like, he's just, you know, at most he's been a battle royal guy. So to be in a featured match. I thought getting an entrance, first of all, yeah, getting a match and then getting his own entrance walking down the ramp was, I I know they often like to kind of do these types of things uh, where, you know, like the hometown guy gets a big thing, but I... I, I definitely felt it with him because he's like you know he is he is the perennial jobber like he's the guy with the, with the streak and to put him in a position like this, while it kind of did come out of nowhere, I I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, we should also mention this was into the second hour, the the second of a. Uh seven-plus hours. Uh, this was the portion that was airing on the USA Network as well. So they aired this match and the uh, the, the men's battle royal coming up. But um, uh, Ryder came back. He hit the Rough Rider. Then on the floor, Dawson hit a Brain Buster to Kurt Hawkins. And then they came back into the ring. Hawkins came back, and he was able to counter Dawson with an inside cradle, catching him for the three count. 13 minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, I think many people saw this title change coming with Hawkins and Ryder ending Hawkins losing streak. And I'm wondering if they're going to keep the titles till tomorrow night or maybe next week. Maybe. I, I think it's going to be a brief title reign, just like Zack Ryder's in 2016 when he won the IC title. Perhaps, yeah. Um, you know, made for, uh, I guess, a, a pretty nice moment. I th- thought the I, I will say, though, they really this was a match that was made online on Monday. So they, it wasn't even confirmed till later in the week. So they really haven't put that much attention at all on this Kurt Hawkins losing streak in the in the weeks leading up to this. So that I don't think this moment really meant as much as it could have. Um the finish did get a good reaction. I'll yeah, say I'll say that. Because it was a title change and because I think a good portion of the audience recognized that he was from a, this was his hometown or home area and he had the 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 losing streak thing. So where does he go from here? Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see if they have the tag titles after Monday. Yeah, and then what though? No, oh, right back to where they were before. But he doesn't have the gimmick anymore. No, oh, well, that's they can start that. Maybe he's going to go on a winning streak. Okay, Universal Title Healer, here he comes. <laughs> what did uh, what did what was our rating? Two point five four out of five on Grapple. Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, we had 29 guys in this match, the key ones being Braun Strowman, Michael Che, and Colin Jost, who was wearing an Odell Beckham Jr. jersey coming out. And and we had a debut. Luke Harper was back as well. Who's the debut? Topless Braun Strowman. That's right. Braun Strowman came down, sans shirt, and dude. Dude, this dude was, is cut. I know he's been working out like pretty hard, I guess, if you follow his Instagram. But like he started off, you know, kind of like just kind of a big burly, like a power lifter type. I don't know what type of like, you know, uh, keto. Uh, like he's developing thing. abs. He looks like he he's sh- a 300 he plus shredded. pound man. He's shredded. He's tan. Uh, and he's a whole new brawn as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> God damn! Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure he was very happy. Like, look at this. 
Um, and and it's I think it's it's important that to note that he saved this look for this. He appearance. did. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like let let everyone uh, be surprised here. Yeah. So uh, early on, Braun Strowman and the returning Luke Harper had a bit of a, a face off between one another. Poor EC3. He was dumped out within the first minute. He was one of the the geeks. Yeah. Just like one game of- over for this guy. Yeah, I don't know what happened, really. Like, he, again, like, from that first NXT class, like, he seemed to be the one that, you know, aside from Lars Sullivan, he, EC3 had, like, the best little teaser video, if you remember all of them. And then after that, just nothing. Who knows? But, you know, sometimes you see guys, like, really struggling along into Mania, and then post-Mania, they kind of get the reset button. This guy is in desperate need of it because, man, have they done just... A horrendous job with this guy since calling him up. Yeah. So the eliminations were very quick to come by. Uh, did you hear about Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows in the uh, in the uh, the in the program that no. they were selling at Access? No. They got them mixed up with the names. Oh no. Yes. I think further reason to. Well, they can cut a promo on it, I guess. Like, maybe if they get any promo time, they were look dumped at, look out at, look quickly. At, look at Ryder and Hawkins. Like, didn't they like spell Zack Ryder's name wrong, and he ended up winning the belts as a result of it? Well, that that's right. Uh, Rhino was tossed out by the Hardys. Titus O'Neil was thrown out. Then uh, Bobby Roode was eliminated by Matt Hardy. Uh, Andrade leaped onto Kalisto and then did this monkey flip with Kalisto bouncing off the top rope and then out to the floor. Andrade followed that up by eliminating Chad Gable. Otis hit the caterpillar onto both members of the Ascension, and then the Ascension and Heavy Machinery were gone pretty quickly. Luke Harper attempted a vertical suplex to Ali, and as he lifted him up on the edge of the apron for this vertical, Braun nailed them both to crash down to the floor. This was a frightening fall, and then Ali crashed into the desk, and many people were concerned about uh, Ali and this spot, and I haven't heard any update uh, regarding him and if he was okay, but... I, I mean, it was spectacular. I'm sure it happened the way they completely intended. But man, like essentially what what looked like was Luke Harper delivering a brain buster to poor Mustafa Ali from the apron to the floor. Yeah, this was um, yeah, certainly a dangerous looking spot. The Hardys worked together to eliminate Strowman. Uh, sorry, to Braun. To, or no, no, no. Uh, the other way, they were yeah, all yeah. trying to eliminate Strowman, and then Jost and Che returned, yeah, from and the ring. they tried to do the uh, the Sid Hogan Ric Flair spot from the '92 Rumble and toss him over, but they didn't. So the Hardys were knocked out by Strowman, and then Strowman shifted his attention to Che and Jost as the final three. Yeah, that was your final three. Mm-hmm. Jost got on the microphone. He said, "This does not have to end in violence." And he brought in a man who he said is his therapist. And they can talk about their issues. Strowman destroyed this therapist. Jost and Shay were frightened. And then Strowman prevented Che from leaving. He threw out Michael Che. And then he missed a running boot into the corner. And Colin Jost was trying to send Braun Strowman over the top to the floor. Uh, but First, he didn't just throw out Michael Che. He decked him. He punched Michael Che. Uh, yes, he struck him and he fell off the apron to the floor. Right. So after Joe's failed to send Braun over the top, Strowman lifted him onto his shoulder and threw him over the top and everyone caught him on the floor and Braun Strowman won in 10 minutes and 21 seconds. Um, I guess they're, they're, this is their match where they hope that some outlets will show Michael yeah. Che and Colin Jost. I, I don't know how much interest is really in a ha-ha, watch 
Watch these guys get I, thrown around. I, I actually kind of feel like it's less about this type picking up any kind of outside attention and more about entertaining perhaps the average fan who doesn't normally watch WWE except on this night and be somebody who might know Colin what Jost and Michael Che from SNL and seeing him, you know, like Colin Jost, the dude who's dating Scarlett Johansson, is fighting this WWE guy. Oh, I recognize him. As opposed to, you know, a wrestler that the average person who doesn't watch wrestling normally is is seeing here. Listen, I'm going to tell you the grapple rating right now. They gave this a 1.16. They gave this one more, uh, a worse rating than the Women's Battle Royal. And I think grapple... You're a bunch of haters on this group, okay? Come on. I thought this was entertaining. This is just like, what did you expect? This is Colin Jost and Michael Che in the press box. This got a good reaction from the people that were, like, you know, sitting right next to us. I don't know if they're normally wrestling media, but they just seem like average people who just thought this was funny. I thought it created a great moment when, when it was Braun left in there with Michael Che and Colin Jost. I thought Michael Che's facial expressions when he was trying to look scared was great and i thought colin joseph was a fantastic old school heel it was it l- listen there was a i i thought that there was a very real possibility that they were going to eliminate braun so i mean the guy went over i i didn't i didn't hate this that was the tease that's yeah. what made it exciting yeah. the fact that you could think that i thought for a kickoff battle royal I, this exceeded my expectations it was something for braun I, I thought he had something meaningful at wrestlemania uh i didn't think it was like a great match, but it it's was... not meant to be a great match. It's just meant to be like something memorable involving a celebrity. All right. Well, I'm going to quiz you in a couple months for the details of this memorable moment. You know, I forget everything. No, like that's not true. This. That's not true. Way this is going to resonate. So that that concluded the uh, the kickoff show, and then we go into the main show at 7 p.m. Brace yourselves, everyone. Uh, you'll learn first of all, like yeah, okay. Sorry, you're about to talk about all that stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We had uh, Yolanda Adams uh, do "America the Beautiful." I thought it was really great yeah. at the start. They all, they're always good. And then this, they had this big production for the opening video. You had the talent, uh, the present talent. Uh, uh, there was like quoting of Shakespeare. Then you had images from past WrestleManias. I really like this video. I thought it was, it looked, you know, super high quality opening. Opening. It was well done. Um, I feel like when it just kind of got got into like the, your, turned into your stereotypical music video, like to, for the second half, maybe it felt a little bit generic to me. Or maybe I'm just ruined from like OTT videos, you know, and, and thinking what the level of these types of videos should be. But I thought it started off really strong. If there's one little pattern that I, I think has been exhausted by WWE is the... Let's get all the talent to read from the same script, and then we'll get them in succession saying the same thing over and over. This yeah. is my time. This is my time. I guess this it is, is my time. I mean, it is a challenge, I guess, trying to fit everybody into like a thing. But yeah, sure. Yeah, I just I don't need the the repeat all the time. Can but, we talk about the stage? Yeah, you give us the assessment of well, what you yeah, thought of this set. I, I thought this was a rather toned down WrestleMania set. Well, before we they peaked in 2017 with the roller coaster motif. That was my favorite. So. I thought that one was next level. But, um, you know, we, we, we met a few members of the media uh, and friends of ours. And Jeremy Vodder uh, was, was talking to me because he's been doing some research into, like, some of the technical aspects of it. And he told me, like, this set is like an 8K giant TV set. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think on a technical level, that sounded very impressive. Um, 
I'll say like maybe watching from up high and even watching on TV, I don't know how impressive it looked. Just like looked like a big giant screen. But in person, once I got down there a little bit oh, closer, yeah. the size of it is is really quite impressive. Oh, it was it was large. Yeah. Uh, you could certainly see that. But I wouldn't say my, my favorite uh, or not even close to my favorite. Yeah. Sets. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was it was. It was fine though. It's like it's the sets hardly make or break or anything like that. Um, Alexa Bliss was the first one out on the on the show proper and welcomed everyone to the show. And she said that as the host, she can create a WrestleMania moment with the snap of her fingers. So she did it, and out came Hulk Hogan. Yes, huge applause. Yes. I mean, that, that's how I felt. I mean, again, I, I was still behind the glass at this point. He he got he it. got a fairly I, big reaction. I only saw cheers. I only saw applause. Certainly, we couldn't really make out if there was any negative reaction. I guess it's worth noting the fact that uh, Big E did put out a message during WrestleMania of the fact that, um, well, I don't want to paraphrase, but you know, essentially, it, sat, it sounded like you know he sat down with Hulk Hogan, aired his grievances with him, mm-hmm. and seemed that. Trying to, I guess, uh, forgive this man. I, th- I think that's great. I think that's something that, you know, um, in particular people who have been vocal about uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, my question is, why didn't this take place earlier? Why didn't this take place the first time he returned to the WWE? I don't think he left a very good impression on everybody, and I don't think he was... Uh, I don't it think- didn't sound like, from, from what the reports that I've heard, it didn't even sound like... An apology was was what was given. It would sound more like "be careful about social media." Yeah, that that seemed to be the overall uh, tone of that speech that he yeah. gave back in July. What took so long for this to occur? I mean, again, we don't know the details of this conversation, but I, I, you know, it's the new day that we're very much like the ones that I think you know let the world know that hey, what Hulk Hogan said in this uh, group setting last time he was here was not good enough mm-hmm. well i mean it's o- only two people would know that that had this conversation and what um how sincere hogan was in it um who approached who, and what what the what the content of that conversation was mm-hmm. um it was enough that i, I feel biggie would would not be tweeting out something um if he didn't have a sincere reason for it mm-hmm. um so the hogan is out and he said, it's great to be at the Silverdome. Yeah. Like, okay. Yep. But then he actually screwed up the name of the building, calling it the MetLife Center. Yeah. I, like, I'm not even sure if that was meant to be. No, this was absolutely a screw up. Okay. Because he did sure. not catch it at all. Maybe it'll be a running gag with him every year. Yeah. God knows next year. He's got to remember. Raymond James Stadium. Good um, luck. Uh, everybody loves Raymond Stadium. Is <laughs> good. Yeah, the voice of Hulk Hogan was on that show. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. The, uh, the brother. What's his name? He voiced Hulk Hogan in the, t- the cartoon? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, it, he just did a Hulk Hogan promo. Nothing special. And then he posed with Alexa Bliss. It just yeah. seemed like a very shoehorned appearance for Hulk Hogan as they continue to try and... Uh, Re- reintegrate Hulk Hogan into uh, WWE legend status. Right. It started off with Crown Jewel, of course, which I thought was was not very good. Uh, and then Gene Okerlund. Gene Okerlund. Uh, I guess last night. Beefcake. Hall of Fame. And then here we are. 
So, you know, I still feel like they must be a little bit on edge about a potential negative reaction anytime this man's out there. So I like, kind of like to study, like, how they pace the segment, how they pace his words in order to really avoid it. I felt like this one, it was kept compact. It was kept to his catchphrases that everybody loves. Just nostalgia, nostalgia, nostalgia. All right, see you later. I'm out of here. It's successful. I, I think it's a very, I think it's very... Curious the fact that this is such a priority for them and also at a time when, you know, such a big show like this, and let's be honest, race has been very much discussed over the last five to six weeks in the lead up to WrestleMania with a big, big match on this show that Mm -hmm. has that that theme attached to it and yet Hulk Hogan is on this show and it's certainly going to be examined and uh, and I don't think the WWE just gets a clean pass that oh it's Hulk Hogan I think people are going to be critical and have every right to if, if they so choose and yeah. I wasn't following so much the reaction but I can't imagine it to be you know I imagine the more normal this starts to feel I think the less the lesser the reaction will be online and I think that's what they are that that is yeah. kind of the the reaction to it. Overall. And you know what? Ultimately, maybe it's time to like, you know, if if somebody like Big E says, "Hey, like this guy's apologize, I forgive him," maybe it's time for all everybody else to to reassess. Yeah, I think that there certainly wasn't that feeling that I, I think that had he displayed a, a different attitude at that meeting last July, I think that it would have been a more a more easier path in that once, once you know that was kind of the vibe that everyone got from that meeting. It was like, is is this guy feeling like he's a victim here? That I think he's made it harder for himself. Yeah, uh, in this whole ordeal. So as Alexa and Hogan are on the stage, Paul Heyman storms through them down to the ring, gets onto the microphone, and says that if his client is not going on last, then they're not wasting any time. They're going to have to mat the match right now and then Brock's getting on a jet to go to Las Vegas where he is ultimately appreciated. So we are going to start with Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins for the Universal title. I was told this decision for them to go on first was made late in the afternoon on Sunday mm. and the rest of the match order all stayed the same but it was going to be AJ and Randy Orton kicking off the show and it okay. wasn't until around uh, late afternoon that they made this decision to put them on last or sorry to put them on first interesting and and why do you think that was i don't know maybe they just felt the need to do something really big in the opening match that is a big position so where was Brock and Rollins supposed to be i don't know where it was originally going to be cuz i feel like if you're going to if you're not going to have Brock main event him being anywhere else in the card might not be taking you know, giving it it's it's maximizing its value like you might starting starting off the show with it so Rollins got this huge entrance where uh, we got this graphic on the screen of Brock's logo being destroyed with the sword and R- Rollins being labeled the uh, the Beast Killer uh, instead of the uh, or the Beast Slayer I should say uh, I guess which is an upgrade from the King Slayer. So before the bell even rings, Lesnar attacks Rollins. They go to the floor and Lesnar throws him into the side of the ring. That Cole calls the LED board. It is not an LED board. It's the traditional uh, ring skirt. And 
br- Rollins' back crashes into something behind we the heard skirt. A huge thud. It was a. I don't know what was behind it, but it, it felt like it was like metal it's or something. Probably just the metal like girder of, of the of the ring. Well, itself. Rollins' back was messed up. Like oh, it man. was all scraped up, like Flip Gordon's was on Saturday night. Like what was the thought? With something like that. I have no idea. What was Brock thinking? What was Seth thinking if they were planning this? You well, know? It's... Um, but it looks... It, it, honestly, it sounded so brutal that they decided to replay No, his it. back's going to look just frightening on Monday. Like, yeah. that's... You could see it all, like, welting up and the scrapes. It's crazy, but I feel like in a Brock Lesnar match, something as crazy and, like, as brutal as this is somewhat expected because it almost adds to, like, the realism of, like, you know, of this man fighting a monster. Well, then Rollins was throwing onto German announcer Carson Schaefer. Right onto him. And he's just throwing him around. They finally get into the ring, and the bell rings. This is after about, what would you say, five minutes of Lesnar mauling Rollins? Yeah, I mean, I don't know five, but like, you know, yeah. Like three or four? Yeah, somewhere like that. So the bell rings, and Lesnar starts with the German suplexes. Rollins' back is all messed up, and then Rollins shoved Lesnar towards the referee and hit a low blow right out of the Torriano book, and he proceeds to hit one stomp, two stomps, Three stomps to Brock Lesnar, and Seth Rollins pins him in two minutes and 28 seconds to win the Universal title. It was that brief, eh? Yeah. Wow. Like, like from bell to bell, right. uh, not including the, the pre-match stuff. Right. And, yeah, I think it's um, I certainly, I think they were just purely going for shock here. By going on first, doing a title change, and doing a short match, they wanted an immediate buzz on this show, and everyone going crazy talking about this. And... You know, we talked about the the big three of the babyface wins. They went through with all of them, including this one, which was the, the one I think people were most skeptical of. And, yeah, I think everyone after this uh, were flooding my timeline, assuming that this is a done deal, that Brock Lesnar is now going to fight Daniel Cormier. Um, I don't have any knowledge of that, and I'm skeptical. I, I would be very surprised if Brock does not do at least the Saudi Arabia show. Which, at this point, do we know when that is? Well, Dave Meltzer is reporting the new date of June. June, hmm. So that's two months away. Yeah, now how would that fit with a potential UFC fight? Well, I mean, Dana White had stated they're hopeful of Brock and Cormier in August, but that is contingent on Brock still signing. Mm -hmm. That is contingent on WWE not just upping their offer to, to keep Brock and... Like again, I will. Too, I will. Too many questions before we can answer. It that. is, and I'm yeah. not going. Sorry, I'm just not going to automatically assume Brock is doing this fight. Um, yeah, I'm just going to constantly believe that he will ultimately continue here, and he will go after the money. And we definitely know a Saudi Arabia date provides a lot of money. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I'd be very, very surprised if he didn't do the Saudi Arabia date. So, I mean, I was, I thought it was a really interesting decision to put this first because I don't know if I've ever seen Brock Lesnar wrestle first, even when he first debuted. So, but I really liked it. Let's be honest. You know, Brock Lesnar right now is no main headlining attraction anymore. At best, he is third from the top on this show. So, I think saving him for the latter portions of this card of an eight-hour pay-per-view. It would be kind of wasting his value, in my opinion. Whereas, you know, you put him at the beginning, you create this shocking win that Seth Rollins, the underdog that most people thought, or at least the one of the three baby faces that people thought was least likely to win this match, him beating this guy who's been built up for years in two, two to three minutes, I think 
is maximizing its value. Now, it's two to three minutes, but I mean, all the stuff beforehand was part of the match too. And I feel like in even if it, this was a very short match, they delivered much enough action to, to leave, I think, anybody watching very satisfied. Did not exhaust the crowd, gave them a happy ending. Everybody was having a good time right now. I... Like selfishly, I was. This was one of the matches I was most looking forward to on the show. Did you want a long match though? I I, I was hoping for like fifteen twenty minutes because I thought it would have been a great Brock Lesnar match. But the best Brock matches aren't fifteen to twenty minutes. Uh, Finn Styles. Like I thought this the Daniel Bryan match. I thought that this was absolutely going to be on par with. I those. enjoy the Goldberg match as much as any of those. Well, matches. listen, I thought this was great for Rollins. I think he needed this big win. I think this really cements him in this spot. This builds up, This leads to a rematch, I think, as well, where you will get the longer match between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and overall, I thought it was the right call to put the the title on Rollins. There's They have built up a lot of potential heels for him, some good, some bad. Um, I, I, I don't disagree with this booking decision. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, you know, the days of saving Brock's value for, you know, some, some uh, would-be... Um, person to to take that value i think we've waited long enough i think seth rollins if anybody is the guy more so than uh uh, um what is it uh, finn balor more so than whoever like he is the guy to take that value he is the guy who's sticking around he's your workhorse he should be sometimes it's great to go out and have the big match sometimes you do something like this that look at the a you have the loss to drew mcintyre that's still outstanding and to me the bigger thing was this guy defeats Brock Lesnar in under three minutes, yep. and Roman Reigns took years yeah. until he could finally beat this guy. Kind of perfect, actually. I think that they've set up a lot here for mm-hmm. Seth Rollins, and uh, I think overall that this it was the right time to switch the title. Yeah, I mean, considering that, I also felt like Brian versus Kofi could have been an option to start off the show. Uh, I'm so glad they didn't put knowing it in that Knowing what they had planned for that match later on, this was absolutely perfect. Uh, Grapple gives this one... 2.65 out of 5. Jerry Lawler was introduced as the guest commentator for Tom Phillips, uh, with Tom Phillips and Corey Graves for the next match. Tons of guest commentators on this show. We had JBL, Shawn Michaels, Booker T. Um, oh, there were probably others as well. It just seemed like there was a... F- Everybody's got to get on the show. Yeah, and Michael Cole and Tom... Uh, Michael Cole and Corey Graves in particular were just... Corey Graves might have been on almost every match. Really? Like, aside from the Cruiserweight match... Um, man, I, I don't know. Corey Graves. I'm no, he did get a break for some. I, there were, there were some people that swapped in for Graves, but Michael Cole's voice was nearly gone by the end, mm. which is typical for him in, at WrestleMania. So they were going to call AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. And this one featured the story of the match is really simple. It was, you know, Orton was trying to, uh, work on the lower back of AJ Styles and Styles was attacking the knee of Randy Orton, and the goal for AJ Styles was, how can I figure out a way to hit the phenomenal forearm on this guy who has it so well scouted, and I'm gonna have to outsmart the Viper. And they've set that up um, very simply in previous months in any of their interactions. Yeah, and Orton stemming from this past week with the uh, the phenomenal forearm into the RKO spot. Even so, at the, um, was it the, what was the match at Fastlane? Was it the six span or? Remember, that was the one where was it AJ just showed up? Was it the chamber? What am I thinking of? Like when when like the 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 Kofi? Oh wait, okay, whatever. I'm sorry, (laughs) I don't remember either. Styles faked out Orton going for a phenomenal forearm, so Orton took a bump 
thinking he would hit the RKO, mm-hmm. and then Styles caught him with a springboard 450. Yep, that was the first instance of, uh, you know, AJ outsmarting this man. Have you ever slipped like that and just, like, paralyzed and fallen on the ground? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. You would have been susceptible to a springboard 450. I go for RKOs all the time. Uh, Orton then stopped Styles on the turnbuckle and hit a superplex, hit the draping DDT, and this is when the crowd was making a loud sound, and it looked like they were just, like, getting on Randy Orton. What had happened was there was a light shining on a section of the crowd that started chanting, much like TakeOver on Friday night. Um, chant. This, is, this has happened many times. What's sure going ha- on with the lighting? Oh, well, I mean, I think... I, I don't know exactly. Maybe you know we'll ask uh, Jeremy Botter at some point after he uh, does more research into the kind of the, these technical aspects. But I think it's just like color. these lights are programmed to position a certain way to splash light on the crowd, just so that they can color the background for TV. Unfortunately, splashing light on the crowd means you're splashing light on. Does that people. warning come when I purchase my ticket in this section? Absolutely not. Not even on a four hundred dollar ticket, five hundred dollar. Like they had a light on. They did change the color of the light, but there was still a light on them for the whole show, which yeah. was it was annoying. We talked to one person who dealt with this. Yep. Yep, uh, I feel terrible for people who have to deal with that at a show like this that they paid so much money for. So, I it's not worth it. However, how pretty it, this it makes the spot in the background on your television show. I hope like WWE does something about it, and I hope the people that are affected complain. Yeah, I think you have to disclose that. Like maybe there's a discount on the section, and you make it clear this is a section that you are going to be inhibited by certain lights to give to the overall effect of the show. This is why we're doing it, but it might be irksome to you. Yeah. Is that a good word, irksome? (laughs) That's how I would describe a light in my eye. This section's going to piss you off, but we'll give you five bucks off. The thing is, they're like, I believe they they move, at least. At Mm. least at TakeOver, they move, but anyway... So anyway, Orton was kind of playing to the crowd because I, I think that he thought they were all like getting on him for something. Yeah. So it was I didn't know what they were chanting about either till after the show. Uh, Orton went down to the floor and this is where he got hit with a phenomenal forearm off the ropes to the floor. Styles then went for one inside the ring. He was caught, but then snapped Orton's neck on the top rope. So he had a counter to the counter and then he finally hit the phenomenal forearm to win the match. I thought it was a really good story. 16 minutes and 12 seconds. I thought these two had very good chemistry. And the biggest spot of the match I glossed over here was Orton hit the RKO and Styles kicked out of it, which is a very protected finish. So that tells me that um, Orton, I I think certainly, um, if he didn't want that spot in the match, it it would not have been there. So I think that's pretty telling there of his uh, confidence in AJ Styles. So I I liked the match. I I liked that. I thought it was a really good match. I thought it was pretty satisfying and, and, you know, told a pretty simple story that they, you didn't really have a whole lot of TV time to set up, but, you know, I I thought it was good. But I thought much of it felt like your typical Randy Orton match with, you know, that long methodical style that I think, you know, some people might respect, but I think most just find kind of boring. But it was slightly better better than your average Orton match because it was AJ Styles. That said, I thought it was far below your average AJ Styles match. And, you know, especially at WrestleMania, I think a lot of people look towards big performances from somebody like him, elite performers like him, to have show-stealing, memorable performances. I'm not even going to remember this one by the end of the night. So, you know, Shane McMahon had a better match with AJ Styles than Randy Orton did. 
Yes, I, I I won't disagree with that. This was hardly match of the night. Um, I liked it though. I, I wasn't disappointed with it. It was it was fine. Kind of what what I expected. It, yeah. it was like it would have been a really really good SmackDown TV main event. Crapple though thought it was a three point oh two, which uh, is uh, one of the higher rated ones. Yes, yeah, it's a tough tough audience on the Grapple app. So then Lacey Evans came out and just walked down the ramp and walked to the back. That was it. Like, what is the point? This this has been going on for three months. It, to me, I thought the the battle royal. Okay, she wins this battle royal, and then we're 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 getting her going again. This like class, like that January class of NXT call ups. I don't know who was in charge of any of those ideas. They've all been pretty bad. Yeah, right. Like, like it, w- w- I would not even venture to use the word success with any of them. The, but the, um, like heavy machinery probably made out the best of them and that's that's very low praise the Nikki cross is a completely forgotten about the moment lacey evans finally does something other than walk to the ramp and then walk away do you think the reaction will be any bigger there's just it won't be she'll just be back at square one as if she didn't do any of this to begin with it, it nobody remembers any of this shit they don't know what to make of it it has zero intrigue whatsoever yeah it's kind of just What's the next step? It's a time taker on an eight, a seven-hour show. I really do not need this. The Usos versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev versus The Bar versus Aleister Black and Ricochet for the SmackDown tag titles. Uh, Ricochet and Cesaro, great interaction early Mm -hmm. on. Crowd was very much into that. Um, Then we had this sequence where Cesaro grabbed Ricochet and started the Cesaro swing while simultaneously Sheamus started doing the uh, the 10 beats of the Bowery onto the chest of Aleister Black. And it kept going and going and going and the audience just got louder and louder. Sheamus kept switching opponents, like doing the 10 beats to everybody, all at the same time. This was a cool sequence. Cesaro kept swinging Ricochet. I, I thought it was great. It was probably one of the longer, if not the longest, big swing I've seen Cesaro do in the WWE. They did an insane Tower of Doom with all eight men with Ricochet coming off the top and trying to land on his feet and just compounding his knees. Uh, Sheamus was then laid out on the canvas and Ricochet hit the 630 splash, but everyone jumped in to break up the cover. Uh, then Jay was in. Um, everyone was going and hitting their big moves, including Ricochet being hit inside out with the brogue kick. And then the Usos attacked Sheamus with super kicks. They climbed to opposite corners and hit the double Us onto Sheamus and pinned him. 10 minutes and four seconds. The Usos retained their titles. Um, an outcome I did not disagree with, but this week, after going undefeated, as a team, Alistair Black and Ricochet lost in a Raw tag title match, in an NXT tag title match, and now a SmackDown tag title match. All in the same week. Plus, they lost that uh, that four-way on SmackDown that set up this match. Hmm. So, I feel they needed to be throwing something here. And that, that's an over-team at the moment. And maybe yeah. your most pushed team at the moment. So, um, I, I, I still question why they were in this match versus not being in the Ryder and Hawkins spot. Right. And putting the Raw tag titles on those two who are over at the moment. Yeah. I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe the hometown thing played played into it with Ryder and Hawkins. Maybe they had plans for that breaking that winning streak or losing streak before they had plans of bringing Ricochet and Aleister Black. I feel like Rick, uh, Rick and uh, Ricochet and Aleister Black really coming up has been a real last minute thing that they really tried to, you know, wedge into the, their existing plans. I like them as a team. I like, oh yeah, they've been sh- They were st- phenomenal at TakeOver. Stealing the show. They've been outworking everybody on this show. At the same time, I don't know if they had any existing plans for them to actually have a title run, you know? I kind of took those 
early performances and, and, and their build up until this point as just a way to make them look strong to even justify them being a part of WrestleMania. To me, like they, I think they consider that to be their this the prize. They've been given the prize, a spot on the biggest show of all time. Well, I'd take your exact argument and I would give that to Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins that them being on the card is their prize, being in the Battle Royal. Being in the Battle Royal? Yeah. That, oh, they can uh, be on the oh, card. Okay. That's great. I'd go with the team that I have oh, much more faith featured in. featured match is what I mean. Well, anyway, uh, I, I thought that they, they had a good amount of time. It was a fun tag match. Um, I thought it was fun be- too. I thought way better than the four-way this week on TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and designed to be. You yeah. know, the big swing I thought was very memorable. I thought the final quick burst of strikes w- w- were also great. I thought it was a match that was yeah, relatively low on star power on this show and certainly low in terms of build, really given no build at all. But I thought uh, high on anyone quality and uh, several matches in, I thought this was a solid show so far. Grappled thought this was a 3.32. Oh, wow, so yeah. that would be the leader at this point. I think so. Uh, then they had the Hall of Fame class come out and were introduced to the crowd, ending with DX coming out to their music and running around the uh, the renegades themselves. There was no uh, Heart Foundation mentioned, right? Um, Brett and Natalia were out there. Oh, they were. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't yep, see. They were both okay. out there. The Miz versus Shane Falls Count Anywhere match, featuring George Mizanin in the front row, the unofficial star of the match. So they go to the floor. Shane nails Miz with this monitor and Miz gets placed onto the announcer's desk and Shane climbs to the top and he's teasing the elbow drop through the announcer's desk when George Mizanin stands in front. The human shield himself and Shane steps down. So George steps into the ring and he puts his hands up and he's ready to go at it with Shane. The reason why like George Mizanin has gotten so much screen time for this angle and probably on Miz and Miz's like is simply due to the fact that this guy looks the like way George Mazanin. The, the the way he does. Like he's got a very unique funny look. He looks like he looks funny. Just the sight of him <laughs> is funny. Same like you know, he's got the James Ellsworth vibe. He doesn't even have to say a word and he's funny. And I think the visual of him <laughs> All the close-ups of him are just funny. They elicit reactions. He's just a funny-looking man. So the final visual, though, of here, of him going into the ring to square up against the best striker in the world, John Shane McMahon, I think was designed to be very humorous. Oh, and it was. And then Shane went with a flying knee to the body. I guess maybe hitting him with a liver shot. And George just crumples to his demise in the corner. George's way of selling this shot is basically to go to sleep. Yeah. He's like dozing off as Miz is checking on his dad, who's been hit with a body shot into unconsciousness. Listen, I wouldn't trust him to do anything but that. Can you imagine like him doing a Hiroshi Tanahashi type of match? Him? Oh, what are we talking about? George, like, what are we even comparing this yo, to? George Mazan and Zack Sabre Jr. I think that would be amazing. So then Shane and Miz leave the uh, the carcass in the ring and they fight into the production area that's out in the crowd. They So hold on. All of that was done to set up Miz's comeback. Which the yeah, crowd, Miz fired back in. Which the crowd reacted really big to. So uh, criticize his uh, involvement all you want. It worked. It got this crowd behind the Miz because he. this was a man that was beating up his lovable, weird-looking father. Yeah, and... 
they made their way to the where the international commentary teams were stationed and just destroyed their section. Miz hit Shane with a monitor and he flew off the balcony to into this black abyss because it was not lit. So you didn't know where this guy was falling to. Mm-hmm. May as well fall into his death. You, were you watching this on the monitor? Yes. Because I was following them. I was still up in the press box at this point, and I had a bird's eye view of everything. This is actually a lot of fun to track throughout a stadium, seeing two guys just, like, throw each other over shit, like, like just, uh, like, from, from atop. They climbed up this camera area. Miz hit a skull-crushing finale. Then they climbed up to the top level, and you know someone's falling off of this. So Miz goes to deliver, um, sorry, it was Shane, uh, Sorry, Miz hit the, 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 the vertical suplex. He lifted up Shane, and they fall off the top of this thing down through a crash pad. And Miz, after executing this move, is underneath Shane. Yeah, like the way they landed had Shane technically on top of Miz. So Shane, motionless, is on top of Miz, so the referee counts, and Shane wins the match. He falls to victory. In 15 minutes and 26 seconds. I thought it was great. I liked it. How did you feel, John? Uh, I thought they, I thought the crowd really got into the, the brawling and the and the final spot. I, I didn't love this. I saw some people that were thinking that they had seen a classic here. I, I really didn't get that. Oh my God, not a classic. I wouldn't say that at all. I but. saw some people say four stars. Okay, I mean, to them, four stars, maybe. I th- I was thoroughly entertained, and I can't say that for a, a vast majority of, like, Falls Count Anywhere matches. I thought this was a, a good example of one. I had very low expectations for this match. I I, I think we, we all expected some big stunt to occur. The, the goal- And I like the fact this was a relatively safe one. Sure. And, and it still got a reaction. It's Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. Everybody's expecting him to fall off some shit, but how are they going to get, get to it? More importantly, how good is the portion of the match before he falls off the thing because in previous matches like the hell in a cell match the portion before he falls off the thing has been terrible here i thought it was actually good it told the story them brawling through the crowd as i mentioned like was i thought entertaining like especially in a stadium setting the way they i liked when they got out of the ring the I, way I they got the way they got onto the scaffold i thought made sense and then the final stunt was spectacular you know, it's something you would want for a big stadium show. Some crazy, stupid visual like this. And they executed it, and it was well done. Yeah. I, I th- Listen, I thought it was better than I expected classic, it to be. classic. Well, the best match of all Wow, well, that's... Pe- people do that a lot. It's either the best thing of all time, or it's the worst thing of all time. And 99% of the time, it's not either. Yeah. So, anyway, that was... Uh, where does this go after? Oh, man, yeah. They well, can't stretch this till Father's Day. That's in June. I just don't even know how you would um, exceed this. Actually, one one idea I heard, um, th- that's not from anyone official, just someone that was in the media box with me, the two fighting in Saudi Arabia to determine who the best in the world is. Yeah, I guess so. What, like, that's kind of what the, where this... But how do you do that without mentioning Saudi Arabia? The last time we fought... The event was called Best in the World, and the... 
I mean, it was. Uh, you can't go back to best in the world. I think. I think the next show, it's back to the normal presentation of Saudi Arabia. I don't think there's. You think gonna, we get propaganda videos and we get all that stuff? Uh, I think they're going to ease their way back into it, and I think certainly it's going to be identified. I don't think they're going to be approaching it with uh, right. as much caution as I Crown Jewel. I feel like it's still a pretty hot button issue, like just to mention. But anyway, yeah, they could very well do that. Um, do, do you? Feel- no, no, John Oliver in attendance. <laughs> oh wow, shocking. Um, yeah. Anyway, so you you think this will continue with both of them being on the same brand? Yes, I do think the feud will continue. Does it still have legs though? You know, it's, I, been, it's been a while now. If it didn't, two. then I don't think Shane should have been winning this. I think Shane then should have been losing, and he's off television. Right. And the fact that he won, uh, that has to be done for a reason. Yeah. Sure. Either this program continues, or you have Shane um, feuding with Kofi Kingston. No. <laughs> So, uh, they aired an ad for DAZN featuring Tracy Morgan. Uh, before before we do that, oh, any guesses as to what Grapple would have rated this? You know what? I'm going to guess. Knowing how they voted everything else. Yes. Well, I'm going to say this one, I don't think it's going higher than the, the tag title match. That was like 3.3, so I'm going to say under. Tag title match that we just saw? Yeah. Well, you're right. Yes, 3.1. Not okay. that much further. All right. So, so Grapple has the tag, the SmackDown tag title match leading. Yes, okay. correct. So this is when the Dizona ad aired with Tracy Morgan trumpeting the demise of pay-per-view, which would really piss me off if I was one of the people that had bought this on pay-per-view. Uh, you should be anyway. They've been offending you for, they've been insulting you for years. They've toned down on that a lot. Almost, they no longer do the cutaways to the announcers telling you like you're a moron for buying this on pay-per-view, even though you might not have great streaming capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's your only choice to spend all this money on this product and be told you're a moron. Paige came out uh, and she joined Michael Cole and Renee Young on commentary. Before we talk about the match... I remember last year, this was when Paige had, uh, she was retiring the night after WrestleMania, and she did commentary at WrestleMania, and I thought it was really rough. I thought she was very good here. I didn't get to hear it, unfortunately. I I couldn't hear all of it, but what I did hear, I thought she was much improved from what I remember, and yeah, I I thought she sounded good here. I thought it it warranted a a follow-up to... Maybe yeah. this can be I something mean, she gets an unofficial tryout to do. Let's remember, like, you know, the past year has been her being completely out of the ring, of course, and also being on air, doing a lot of press for, for her movie and playing a, a, a GM role, which I felt like she did, was, ended up doing a great job at. Yeah. Um, and I think they have to find a role for her now, whether Absolutely. it's on commentary, whether it's a manager. Uh, Man- one of, one Man- of them. Manager is what I would pick because there are a lot of people in that division mm-hmm. or any like male or female. Like she had the association with Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose mm-hmm. or you could put her with someone new. You could put her with a male yeah. as well. You're not restricted by uh, females. Mm-hmm. Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Beth Phoenix and Natalia versus the Iconics versus Nia Jackson Tamina for the WWE tag titles. And they had a nice touch here with Bret Hart coming out with Bre- with Natalia and Beth Phoenix, wishing them luck and wearing his classic leather jacket. I thought it was great that Bret was able to come out. And, uh, you know, it was like an unofficial nod that he was OK after yes. Saturday. Right. So the match begins. Uh, Bailey and Banks were in and Bailey sent Banks up for a head scissors onto Beth and then transitioned to the bank statement. But Phoenix rolled out, went for a glam slam that got countered. And then Tamina and Nia Jax, they had their portion of the match where they hit Samoan drops to the Iconics and teased double splashes, but got stopped. Phoenix came in, hit a 
uh, was hit with a Bailey elbow drop, and then Banks hit the, the Eddie Guerrero frog splash. Phoenix kicked out of that, and then Natalia took out Sasha with a spinning power bomb, and then Phoenix lifted Bailey from the second turnbuckle to hit a glam slam. She has the match won, but then the Iconics return, and Peyton Royce sends Beth to the floor while Billy Case steals the pin on Bailey. And 10 minutes, 46 seconds, the Iconics win the WWE tag titles. I think if you surveyed 100 people, 100 people would have guessed them the fourth most likely to leave as the tag champions. I uh, definitely surprised me. Yeah. Um, you know, this was when I, I was moving my way down, so I can't really give uh, that great of a, a response to like what I saw in the match. From what I did see, I saw about the second half. It, it was all right. Pretty standard fare. Yeah. I wouldn't I, say it was... I was surprised by the result, and very surprised because, like you know, Bailey and Sasha are still pretty much to me establishing the yep, belts. I agree. Um, I think you you kind of need two known workhorses to establish them to make those belts really mean something. Iconics, while they are entertaining, um, I think they are two of the weakest wrestlers in the entire women's division. So. Um, I'm surprised that they would choose this di- this direction unless they're just there to be transitional champions for two other people. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all your points. I will say they put over the win huge. Like, they were in tears. Yeah. Apparently, they did an interview backstage, and it was, like, very emotional for I, them. I, I I'm sure it. this was an enormous moment for them. Yeah. But I do agree with all those criticisms of, um, I think this brings this tag division down when you're t- really trying to establish this. And... Um, I think that you had, I, I think you had two teams in there that were great options. I think that uh, Nia Jackson Tamina, if you want to stretch and make an argument, you could. And the Iconics would probably be most people's, you know, fourth choice of those four. Right. So we'll see what the follow up is um, with the Iconics and if it is a sustained title run or not. This match received two point two six out of five. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, then they did uh, several of these where they had a shot of the Empire State Building with different images, and it was Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston for our next matchup. Um, oh, man, I'm so glad I went down for this one. So Eric Rowan is in Daniel Bryan's corner, and the New Day is out in Kofi Kingston's. And, well, tell me at the beginning, what is uh, what was the crowd like as the match began? Dude, like, the vibe immediately felt special. I think, you know, we could say it now, but, like, at the time, the two biggest baby faces were Kofi Kingston and Becky Lynch. I mean, you can argue, like, what maybe, you know, uh, uh, made for the result if it was uh, match placement or whatnot. But, but uh, to me, by far, it, Kofi Kingston was the biggest baby face on this show. And I think this was the match that the crowd was most invested in, even more so than the main event. Yeah, and it totally translated in the the media box, too. Like, you could, like, this, there was a point where, man, you are just watching this and being like, when Kofi wins this, this place is going to explode. They had this crowd in the palm of their hand. What's so special, I think, about this match, you know, beyond, like, everything Nate Milton brilliantly brilliantly mentioned in in our previous shows, um, is the fact that, like, in general, this is a... A match that was not supposed to exist. This was not in the cards at all two, three months ago. This was a match that was willed into existence by the audience being vocal. Mm -hmm. And they saw it play out. They didn't have to go through a number of twists and turns and then, you know, fumblings of it like they have with Becky Lynch. It's peaking at the perfect time. Um, And 
now it's happening in front of their eyes. Kofi Kingston is wrestling for the championship at WrestleMania. So that in itself was already enough to get this crowd. And I really think hot. it's only fair that as many times as we look at these these snap decisions that ultimately fall on the plate of Vince McMahon that can sometimes be erratic and they throw things into uh, chaos and our decisions not for the better. This is one that I think he deserves absolute credit. Absolutely. They did not fight this. They saw what the reaction was. They they changed course. They went with it. And this was a snap decision for the better. I think it's like almost silly that we're like having to commend them for something that was so it's so obvious that but everybody there is a track record. Absolutely. That it, and listen, if you were to tell me in February, okay, when this when, elimination chamber, okay, and we've got WrestleMania that we have our plans. I can't tell you that I would have been so quick to deviate from my WrestleMania card, but this was a year where, you know, the program was, it wasn't this lengthy program that had been built up for Daniel Bryan. It was a new program that had barely started. With Kevin Owens, you mean? Yeah, with with Kevin Owens. Like, had this been, had this been Kofi on Raw, he's not getting into that title match. No way. They are not, they are not adjusting course on Mm -hmm. that. And had it not been Kevin Owens and somebody perhaps more notable on the level of a Batista, I don't think they would have changed course. Yeah, I think that that certainly played a factor in things. That yeah. th- this happened to be in a title program where I think the challenger, uh, they were willing to be negotiable on. Expendable is the word I would use. Sure. And no Kevin Owens. No, no presence on this show. Yeah, maybe and for the better. Listen, yeah. I think he would have been it would have been a disservice to him moving forward to have just been a geek in the battle royal. Yeah. So, you know, not not a great circumstance regardless. Uh you're off the big show, but I think in the long run, um I, I don't think this would have been a show that would have been one that he would look back on very fondly had he been just thrown on there uh as excess. And you have an opportunity. He will probably be a megastar in Montreal next week. Hopefully, they have a great idea of something to do with him on that show. And post-WrestleMania, he can get back on track. Hopefully, it's more than not liking pineapple on pizza. Which is just oh. a sin. We disagree. Oh, boy. Um, but, you know, let's also in this feud, because, um, like, you know, the entrances were huge for Kofi Kingston. When Dan- Daniel Bryan came out, it was nothing but booze. And let's kind of, you know, look back and, and, and commend somebody like Daniel Bryan, who has successfully turned from the company's strongest baby face that I think everybody was kind of perplexed that they would turn into, on this show, at least, the strongest heel. Listen, I know a lot of people are going to focus on Kofi Kingston. I thought Daniel Bryan was outstanding Absolutely. in this match. Daniel Let- Bryan was this was I I just thought what what a complete heel. Like just a great performance of a guy that was going to make sure his opponent had everything to get over to the highest degree. I I cannot say enough about what I thought of Daniel Bryan in this match. I just thought he was excellent. Yeah, I love watching this type of match with him too because he's been able to do a lot more mat-based work and not have to worry about audiences getting bored. It's just like it it works for the character now. And Bryan, I mean, there was was that joke um, about him like back in December or so, like joking, saying... We need some new. We need some new baby faces, and uh, you know, I'm sure Brian is as happy as anyone that here I've got a baby face the audience loves, mm-hmm. which is going to make me that much more of a heel because that's still a thing that Daniel Bryan, 
you know, when he turned heel, it was, man, this guy's going to be so entertaining as this heel. He's going to risk getting turned by this crowd that already loves this guy. This has been a program that has truly cemented him in this spot. Yeah. It was a clear pro-Kofi, anti-Daniel Bryan crowd. Mm-hmm. It was the reactions they wanted, and they were strong in either direction. This program, too, though, they didn't have a whole lot of time to tell the Daniel Bryan-Kofi Kingston you know, rivalry because we didn't even know Kofi was going to get this match officially until the last week. But I feel like they'd done such strong work in that last segment on the go-home show on SmackDown um, that that was almost enough. Uh, They frequently had shots of the locker room with the talent around the monitor cheering on Kofi Kingston. Uh, Some highlights early was Brian just trying to shut down Kofi uh, with a, with a, uh, a waist lock and taking him down to the mat. Um, he worked on the back of Kofi Kingston, countering into a Boston Crab and Kingston fighting for the rope breaks. Um, each had some cradles on the other. Then Brian goes for the label lock, and that was blocked. Then he went for the, the running knee. Kingston countered that and went for the SOS, but Brian turned it into the label lock, applying it for a second time. Kingston fought that as Brian was on top with uh, shots to the ribs. Big reactions, like, throughout. Like, I mean, you know, typically, if a match is not working during, like, you know, uh, long submissions and heat, like, just basically headlocks and things like this, the crowd gets restless. But here, it was just constant Kofi chants that would dissipate when there was a big move and then build back up again. And big reactions anytime he broke out of the label lock. They had the uh, the seconds get involved on the floor where Rowan attacked Xavier Woods and Big E, who made their comeback, hitting up, up, down, down, uh, coming off the announcer's desk to take out Rowan mm-hmm. on the floor. That was a big moment of the match. And then Kingston from the floor nails Brian. Brian then ducks Trouble in Paradise. He hits the running knee, and Kofi gets the big kick out. And everyone is just buzzing for Kofi Kingston. Brian stomps him down for the third time. He applies the label lock, and Kingston fights his way out, landing strikes on top. Kingston stands up. He hits Trouble in Paradise, and he pins Daniel Bryan at 23 minutes and 43 seconds. Audience went nuts. This was it was a very good match. Yes. It was a great story. Um, this is, to me, it is the moment that will live with this event. This yep. uh, this was the high point of the show. Completely, completely agree. Um, and it stuck the landing on, like, a movement that just all of a sudden developed in, in February. Oh, that's our ice, everybody, for our beers. That's That we'll be getting to hopefully at some point but um it stuck the landing on like a really like organically built well-told story by the end uh and it just completely capitalized i thought on this audience's very pure love of this character in this storyline wanting to see this finish so to me it was really the only option um huge reaction huge reaction for the post-match reveal it's, oh, the post-match was so awesome. Yeah. The New Day, man, there's a picture um, that they put online where Xavier and Big E, they're jumping on top of Kofi in the ring. Dude, Xavier Woods looks like he's about to cry. I think very legitimate. Like It was so yeah, real. It has to be. Like They were so happy for this guy. Uh, like It was such a great moment. Kofi's kids got into the ring. They earned it with him like they were a huge as as much a part of this run as as he is yeah. it was just oh it was just great and this i'm just watching this imagining sometimes you can really overthink wrestling to yeah. not imagine not doing this Do you, you know what i mean you remember like even like five months back four months back 
I feel like the New Day was really running its course as a comedy team. And I think at that point, like, you know, the best they could have hoped for, maybe eventually a breakup. But, like, we were talking about potentially Big E be, being a, a world champion, not Kofi Kingston. And that would have been years down the line. Who knows it would have been as hot. Imagine going from, like, comedy pancake New Day four or five months ago to having the biggest moment as a babyface for the world championship at WrestleMania, that's really unfathomable. But it, it it's it's the incredible support of, of the audience. It's WWE listening to that, and it's a really strong work from the three men in this in this uh, New Day group yeah, that so, really made this. So this was, um, yeah, this was the I thought the the high point of WrestleMania. This the year. reaction and the noise was so loud when this like this thing happened. To me, like I I mean to this day, like one of the biggest reactions I, I always, you know, talk about now is Connor versus Chad Mendez, uh, for that, that UFC when it was supposed to be Aldo and then Chad Mendez replaced him. Right. Yeah. So like that's one of the biggest reactions I've ever been to a part of in person. I thought this was close to it. Didn't wow. really beat it, but like maybe because it was a stadium, it didn't f- like feel as enclosed. But it felt on that level. And I mean, seeing some of the personal reactions, like there were people that were like treating this like it was like the only thing they wanted. And when Kofi won, it represented a lot more to me than your typical pro wrestling win. And I think so much of that goes back to what Nate Milton was talking about. This was not just a storyline about a wrestler, you know, uh, overcoming the odds to win. This was a story of Kofi Kingston really representing a marginalized group, representing people of color who perhaps have been overlooked for promotions at their work in the past. That's what it represents. Mm -hmm. And he is now finally being being given this role. Like, that's what this character represents, and that's why a win like this, after a story like this, means so much, I think, to the yeah. audience. I think, had had they gone the other way, because it would have gotten heat, I don't think the show would have recovered after this. Mm-hmm. And, the sh- and the audience never reached this level again later in the show, but having if they had beaten Kofi, I, like... RIP to the rest of the show because I think they would have been furious. Yeah, I thought there was a lot more suspense for this one too than you know the main, the women's main event because I don't think it was a sure thing that Kofi was going to win. Like I could see them doing something like that. I I thought it was so like you just couldn't screw this one up. I thought that this was a fairly you like, like I was I was watching this match and never was I expecting Brian t- to win. But yeah, this is a company that's done some decisions but, that. Totally shock you. But I think it was also possible because it was in the middle of the show. Like, to me, like, if you're in the main event of WrestleMania, chances are the babyface is going to win. The fact that this was in the middle maybe left a a little bit of extra doubt. Um, So that concluded it. And as Way mentioned, they did reveal the cl- the old WWE championship they they were aware of this possible concern that I was the one that voiced and they realized you know what we can't have this guy in this great moment holding up the hemp belt yeah. which they sold out all the replicas at the WWE store this weekend and they had two actual hemp worn belts by Daniel Bryan um so they were selling for 5 grand each we know one was sold i don't know if the other one was as well how do you sell a hemp belt that's clearly made out of not hemp like the replicas. Are we sure they're not made of hemp? They couldn't have made all the replicas out of hemp, could oh, they? Okay, I'm not, yeah. not the real ones. I'm talking about the right. all the fake ones they sold. Well, you just, what do you mean? You sell it. Well, I guess. All right. <laughs> kind, of, kind of defeats Daniel's mission statement. The whole correct? thing is completely contradictory to the to what Daniel Bryan. I was saying. hoping his entrance would be some kind of statement on all the, the excess of yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah. 
So um, then we had uh, Booker T brought out for commentary for the next match. With Sorry, before we do that. Oh, yes. Gotta um, go to the grapple This rate. one has the top four, right? Uh, That's the top 4.5. We'll see here as I open it. Uh, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan, 4.41. Oh, okay. That's yeah, just pretty so high. That's I don't know if that one's going to get topped on this show. I, I want yeah. I just want to say a little bit more because like I I think coming out of the show like you really do realize I think this was one of the best built championship wins that they've done for a WrestleMania. I'm looking back at history, like Sean winning WrestleMania 12. I thought was good, but not to me this good. I don't think it meant this much. Um, and Austin winning. To me, didn't have as good of a match as this one because Shawn Michaels was on his way out. He was very much injured. And I also feel like that was kind of like, you know, it was it was expected. This, to me, like, felt like it peaked at the perfect time. I thought the match was excellent. And uh, I thought it meant a whole lot more than your traditional wrestling match. So this is stuff that I feel like should happen all the time. But the fact that it doesn't, I think, makes this one that much better. Do you see that uh, afterwards, Daniel Bryan took a photo with uh, with Bree and and Birdie holding the hemp title. And they're also putting out this T-shirt that reads uh, and still the ch- the planet's champion, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. So it seems like he's going to come out and he's going to be the delusional heel that believes he never lost like Chael Sonnen after he so lost Anderson Silva. It's his like million dollar belt. Yeah, uh, that's what it feels like. And I. I obviously see the feud continuing, whether it's a ladder match where both titles are up. I don't know what Kofi's fighting for in terms of that, but it, it seems like that's up. where they're going, that Brian's going to proclaim himself the planet's champion. I think a rematch will definitely be be fine for this because they only like had a few weeks to really build up that personal grudge, so the, you could definitely extend this. Yeah, and the, I mean, the options for Kofi, like just looking at SmackDown, they could mix up the rosters significantly over the next week or two, but I mean, your heel options on SmackDown are Randy Orton and... Shane McMahon. So might as well stay with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. They followed that with Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the United States title. Mysterio came out and he, uh, what was his outfit? So I initially thought just see, uh, cause I, I missed the, ent- uh, the entrance and I just saw him with green scales. I had assumed Aquaman. I was, uh, uh, corrected by, by our friend Robert and Tyler who said he's, he was actually Mysterio cause he came out with a purple cape and, of course, Ray Mysterio, portraying Mysterio, who's the new uh, villain in the Spider-Man movie coming up. Right. So Mysterio starts off. He spikes Joe with a DDT and lands the 619. He climbs to the top for the splash, but gets caught by Joe into the coquina clutch. Ray passes out. 61 seconds. Samoa Joe retains the title. Yeah. I mean, on a long show like this, I think you could expect some... Some of these uh, fast squash matches, we I, I would have expected Balor and, and and Lashley to be that one, but instead it was this one. I was gi- I was given the impression that th- this match was never going to be a super long match, but I think the ankle injury kind of oh, okay. kind of played into this. That hmm. um, I, I think that was a deciding factor in, in this being as quick as it was. But also they scrapped the whole Dominic angle. Yes, like yes. no Dominic, no mention of him uh, that I heard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he certainly wasn't in the front row, uh, and that was that was the big uh, angle attached to this match. It was kind of the reason for the match. So it mm-hmm. sounds it sounds to me like they were going to just either ditch the angle or save it for another time. I don't know, like at what point they might have decided to do that because they just they haven't shown Dominic like for the past two weeks now. 
Like, I mean, it was mentioned on TV this week. I mean, Dominic wasn't there, but I, and I just don't know how much like that that really the angle even resonated with the audience in order for, for well, it to that's, have a spot here. You can't just drop it though. You have to expl- like once sure. you've started the story, you've got to you've that's just. To me, that's they that's did. just bad storytelling. Yeah. Well, I guess you can argue by the end whether or not this match even needed to be on. But I think a one-minute match is is totally fine. I think Joe, you know, he he needs a big one like this on a big stage. Um, I was a little disappointed, not gonna lie, because I was actually looking forward to this match. But if I'm thinking about the injury, perhaps playing a role, then sure. Yeah. But it did sound like, regardless, they they probably weren't gonna have a ton of time to begin with. Um, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre um, follow, followed that. Oh, the did they even have a rating for the last yeah, match? Yeah, they did. It was uh, very low. It was 1.03. Yeah, that's... I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to, to rate on this. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. McIntyre had a big superstar entrance with these bagpipers. I thought it looked really cool. Kind of reminiscent of Roddy Piper at the first WrestleMania. I couldn't see it, actually. Oh. I missed it. I was moving around. Yeah. Roman just came out, just a normal entrance, and it was all McIntyre from the beginning. He's beating down Reigns. Uh, he did the spot from the Tree of Woe going up and suplexing Reigns off the top, and then Reigns came back, running boot, hit the drive-by on the floor, and then they go inside the ring. Reigns hit the Superman punch, set up for the spear, hit it, and he pinned him in 10 minutes and 9 seconds. This was like... This felt like, you know, a, a house show main event or something felt like, like that. Felt like a raw, raw match at best. Um, uh, to me, uh, shorter than a raw match. I think they would have gone much longer if they were on raw, but I just but longer it, longer wouldn't have helped this match. You know, No, it this, didn't need to be. It didn't need to be. Um, there is definitely lower energy here, and let's remember what, you know, this audience had just seen. But we're also talking about Roman Reigns having his first match at WrestleMania since coming back from leukemia. This should have been a far bigger deal. And I think the lack of reaction for this match, at one point, this audience was just doing the wave because they were bored. Uh, and, and if you're telling me like Roman Reigns' comeback sing- like singles match would be met with this type of reaction, I wouldn't have predicted it because I feel like this was a missed opportunity. Like They should have promoted it hard that this was... A big deal for Roman Reigns even to make it to this show. Uh, instead, I feel like this feud was just kind of, you know, uh, pretty very casually thrown together. The uh, The match was not good either, I thought. It was way too slow. Um, and there was just real, really no story, no attachment to the outcome of whoever won. I thought it was among the more, uh, of the major matches, I think the most forgettable. I agree. Like, I think at the end of the show, you would be hard-pressed to be naming off this match, as you recall, the big matches on the show. It just... um, What do you see with Drew McIntyre coming out of the show? Because they did that win over Seth Rollins. In theory, he's got an opponent in Drew. Mm -hmm. uh, But Roman wins clean here. Um, I could see options where Drew, you know, can win the number one contenders match and still goes into a Rollins program. I can also see some separations uh, to different brands. He could maybe yeah. go to SmackDown. I'm really not that interested in Rollins versus McIntyre for, for the belt. I mean, if anything, it'll just be uh, McIntyre. Well, McIntyre, why would he even deserve a, a, a title shot after this, after losing, right? So I think I think you just cut your losses and move him to SmackDown, have him give a fresh I question a why fresh you start. do that finish over Rollins then to begin with. Prob- I don't know. Maybe they did have plans for this match, but I don't care to see it. Well, um, I'm just so sick of that like raw top mix that I just hope they, they break those guys up completely. But 
you know, I, had I not thought about the Ray ankle injury, I would have suggested this to be your squash instead. Have Roman just, you know, beat him in two minutes. Then Elias came out for his performance. He threw to a video. 2.17. 2.17. All right. Uh, so Elias throws to this video, and it's his image, and he's playing multiple instruments. They did the uh, the Mick Foley, the Three Faces of Foley uh, yeah. editing technique. And they had this really cool setup where the audience had, like, these lights on them or whatever to spell out Elias. I couldn't see that from where Oh, it looked really cool over top. Like, some of them had, like, I don't know if it was wristbands or what, but they lit up and it read Elias. And he told everyone to shut their mouths. He was going to perform a song. But then a video interrupts of Babe Ruth calling his shot and hitting a home run. Yeah. And, of course, that means basic thugonomics. The connection, I I mean, I guess John Cena is considered the Babe Ruth of the WWE. Is that it? Yeah, I thought maybe he was like... He's going old school. I, I have no idea. What? I, the Babe Ruth one. Yeah, I thought of that. I mean, too. listen, like, it's it's New York. He's calling a shot. Yeah. And that's about it. It was... So, um, I thought it was kind of a cool video, but like, I guess the follow-up, I, yeah, the connection maybe not as strong. Yeah, I didn't think everyone uh, necessarily... Uh, so he was wearing a Yan- he was it. wearing a Yankees jersey. Yes. Yes. So Cena came out in his old like it was he turned back the clock to 2003. Basic economics played over the speakers. This like a lot of people were freaking out. And in particular, I find it really interesting who were the people that were freaking out because I would say there are all people that were maybe in their like mid to late 20s, maybe even early 20s, people that were young. When John Cena was this John Cena who knew every single word of this thing. Like, he pretty much dropped this, like, 2005. Yeah. Okay? It's been 14 years since he's done this. And he has so separated himself from this character. Like, it it felt like this guy was, like, dressing up for Halloween. Yeah. That was kind of what it was. Yeah. He comes out. Let me say, him wearing that baseball hat made him look 10 years younger. Yes, it does. Without the hairline. Um so he starts rapping about turning heel. Elias sucks. He's got the golden shovel to bury him. And then he hits Elias with the microphone and says he's not going to give him the AA. He's going to give him the FU. And then he hit the five knuckle shuffle and then hit the FU. And Elias was just left there embarrassed. And I don't know. By the end of this. This didn't do anything for me. Really? Yeah. I, I understand, like, on paper, this was, you know, a nostalgic deal. Cena's very good in the, the rapping character. Um, I don't know. It just, it, it didn't really work for me. I, I thought, I mean, I thought it was great. I thought it was, uh, if you're telling John Cena to, hey, do your best impression of yourself from 2004, this was perfect he he delivered a cena style rap that was non-pg with insider terms um it was the reason why we all initially fell in love with john cena in the first place and why we initially started stopped liking him because he stopped being this character this but, character would have driven people to hate him as true well. yes that there is was true. a shelf life <laughs> and i thought they were very smart to get off it when they did but you know i simply look at the reaction that that was around me seeing full-grown adults who were singing along to every word of this song like freaking out because their childhood version of john cena had magically reappeared unannounced suddenly 
for this segment. People like Braden Harrington, who I believe was freaking out uh, with this piece of nostalgia. As a piece of nostalgia, I thought it was really well done. I still feel using him for Kurt Angle's retirement, even for the type of limited match we would see Angle have, would have been a better utilization of, of John Cena because he could throw to this nostalgia act at any time, at any WrestleMania. He would have only had one chance to be Kurt Angle's final opponent. In my opinion, I would have still rather have seen that, but this was probably in the works for a long, long time, and I understand how difficult it is for plans to change. Yeah, this had been, like, obviously going way back, the plan was Lars Sullivan for John Cena. That, that fell apart, and... Yeah, I would say from at least a month out, this had been this had been what John Cena had been plan, planning to do for WrestleMania with Elias, and they were set in this plan. Uh, I'll just say to contrast it, I I really do respect someone like Chris Jericho that is pretty adamant about not wanting to go back to do the list and realizing when something is popular, it's got his time, and he said he was maybe sometime he will do it, but he kind of wants to just. That's in the past. That's over. There, uh, I, I, I have I respect that kind of thinking. This is I, fine to do. It's not uh, it's not terrible, but it just. But I think when Jericho says said that he's referring to doing it like a full time gimmick. This was a one night only thing. He, Chris Jericho played Lionheart Chris Jericho on ECW One Night Stand. I thought this was just a one night only thing. Yeah, I mean, it's listen. I, I didn't think it was bad. Um, it was just it was. It was just there for me. So, uh, Then we had Shawn Michaels come out for commentary for the No Holds Barred match, along with Michael Cole and Corey Graves. First of all, did you see Shawn Michaels on the kickoff show? I did. The man was wearing a t-shirt with a black leather vest and a tie around his neck over his t-shirt with his NXT baseball hat. Whatever. All I'm going to say is that I saw, I saw a lot of people complaining about what fans wore to the WWE Hall of Fame because it's supposed Why? to be. Why? People complaining that they were. That it was, it's a classy event oh, and you should be dressed up. up at the Hall of Fame. Well, oh, you know what? Up. If you are complaining about those fans, then you better be complaining about this guy who makes this look like such a joke. I, I think that this is like. I always hate this guy's fashion, but here you are on this big show, and this is almost like I have absolutely no regard for what I am doing. Like yeah. I look like a clown to the point that my my awful, stupid look here is actually detracting because no one's listening to what I'm saying. It's like I'm making a mockery of this this just something like a panel that I'm on. Yeah, he was mocking it. Yeah, it was. Sure. Like, I think it's, uh, I thought it was just looked Of course he was mocking. He was, stupid. Wearing, a, he was wearing a tie around his neck. I was just like, I like, yeah. if, like honestly, if I was pr- the producer here, I would not allow this guy to do that on the air. I guess Shawn Michaels has a level of uh, I guess, political He influence. clearly can do whatever he wants, yeah. but it looked absolutely ridiculous. Taking us into the No Holds Barred match, Triple H versus Big Dave. Batista came out. Uh, there were these two giant trucks that pulled up, and he came out of the back seat with a security detail. I couldn't see. I, I was walking around. Again, yeah, so. he just came out in his trunks, just traveling in the back with uh, his trunks on. And he's walking down the ramp, and then uh, his first opponent of the night was the middle rope. And trying to get through, he struggled just to enter the ring. 
And then Triple H came out for his WrestleMania entrance, and he was driven out in this giant... What, what would you call this thing? This was a Mad Max vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the whole the, the motif was Mad Max. Mad Max. Yeah. He, he had the, uh, the, the skull face on, the skull mask that he wears, and was brought down. Uh, as well, uh, Kumal Nanjiani was the actor who was shown in the front row a very famous actor he had this two giant Batista heads and he's in an upcoming movie with Batista he was shown in the front row as was uh, Paul Levesque's father who was also in the front row oh, okay. and Batista got into his face at one point so oh interesting maybe uh, it was a you know all we had Carmelo's father we had the Miz's father we had Triple H's father yeah a lot of dads a dad division a dad division that might be the new thing uh, so the match begins Oh man, you're gonna have to explain a lot of this to me because, like, I was kind of like walking around. Wait, the floors. Gonna, someone's gonna have to explain this match. to a me. A lot of it, I just uh, yes. Let's get in, get on with it. They fight to the floor, and Hunter brings out a toolbox, and he attacks Batista with the toolbox. Then he grabs a chain and starts whipping this guy. The audience is dead quiet. From what I uh, like, it sounds totally dead. Yeah, it was. Then I guess I guess Hunter wanted uh, Batista to replicate the crowd by killing this man. He grabbed pliers and he went to chop off his fingers with the pliers. Yeah, were they pliers or was it like a wrench, like a big, like you know, big type of like you know the? He had both. He had both. Oh, I guess this was the, the... fingers were like yeah. This like, had like a clamp on it. Yeah. Yeah. So he was trying to. I think these were pliers. Like the. I don't think it was sharp. These were like cutters or something. I don't these. think the. Okay. Anyway, whatever. He was trying to have Batista have. Um, I don't know. Uh, permanent residence with the four horsemen. <laughs> Is that what that would have done? I mean, well, it would have taken these two fingers. Maybe if he just took the. He would have made him took the thumb off. Yeah. Okay. Then they go into the ring. Hunter's not done. He's still playing. Um, yeah. He grabs the pliers and he rips out Batista's nose ring. See, I couldn't tell what was going on. I couldn't see what was going yeah, on. Yeah, he, he hooked onto the nose ring and ripped it out. He stole Randy Orton's gimmick. Unfortunately, on the floor, like anytime they, we had to only rely on like um, like the, the, the corner screens to see what was going on inside the ring because there's so many people in front of us you can't really see. And the camera didn't really show it. Instead, it showed a different angle where we couldn't see what was going on. I couldn't tell if these were like pliers. I thought they were scissors. No, I thought I thought he was stabbing his, his eyes with scissors. Oh, the 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 photos of th this <laughs> this was like an updated version of I guess uh, Magnum TA and uh, Tully Blanchard with the piece of wood going near the eye because as. Hunter had these, this, these pliers going to Batista's nose, and he's screaming, oh, my God, this was just... I was done with this match at this mm. point. Batista came back to life. Uh, he put these steps onto the, these announcer's desks and teased the Batista bomb on the announcer's desk, but Hunter back body dropped him. Then the table didn't break, and Hunter brought the crowd up, tackling Batista off one desk through the other. Conveniently, Triple H found two sledgehammers underneath the ring, uh, he was hit with a Batista spear and Batista bomb, but Triple H kicked out of that. And then Hunter lifted up Batista and power bombed him onto the steps, hit him with a pedigree. I will give them this credit. I think everyone bought this finish, but mm -hmm. Batista kicked out of the pedigree. Ric Flair appears, 
This guy has not been mentioned since this attack. He was not mentioned in the commentary. He was in the video. He was in the recap video. He was in the video, but I thought he was... I think he's been greatly reduced since that was, like, the impetus of the angle. Because if you take Ric Flair out, why is Hunter so mad at this guy? He's trying to take his fingers off. He's so mad at this guy. It did come out of nowhere. Like, you don't really... It was also very backwards. Like, as much as this guy is the babyface, I don't care if you have a really solid reason... You're trying to hack a guy's fingers off. I'm sorry. You're not generating a... Yeah. Get him. Yeah. What payback? I'll just say it's kind of weird to go from making Spice Girls jokes to trying to chop a man's fingers off. Listen, this thing was a mess. This whole thing, outside of the Ric Flair angle to kick it off, this thing was a mess. This is probably going to be up there for my worst feud of the year because of the stakes of it being a massive WrestleMania match. Batista's retirement program. Um... Ric Flair appears, he hands Hunter the sledgehammer, Batista has his own sledgehammer, and Hunter leaps off the steps for a Superman sledgehammer and hits him with the pedigree, which is way worse than a sledgehammer. And before I read the time, uh, our friend... So was that it? The finish? Yeah. uh, Pedigree for the win, 24 minutes, 46 seconds. Yeah. It was a pretty slow affair, I thought. And between two older men who... You know, they both look great for their age, but you just, they simply can't go at a pace that I think this audience expects. The feud itself was not that hot. Um, to me, like being there on, on the floors, uh, the weapon stuff did not really play all that well outside, outside of the gross out factor. I certainly didn't feel like the audience was really engaged beyond putting pliers into a dude's nose. Like, if I want to go through my checklist of like, how can we ensure a program that is going to have its problems? Well, Batista hasn't had a match in five years. Triple H is coming off a, a torn uh, torn peck from Saudi Arabia and hasn't wrestled since then. He's coming back from an injury. Uh, we're going to have a pretty lackluster buildup. Uh, let's go 25 minutes. Let's have these, these weapons. Like, there was points of this match. It felt like the Vince McMahon-Bret Hart psychology. Wow, yeah. Um, I thought this was really disappointing. Yes, I agree. I agree. And that's, um, I, I kind of wholesale this entire program. It's been very disappointing. And mm-hmm. let's just move on. I think yeah. Hunter can have a break from television. Batista's done. Uh, this this just didn't work. Whatever the expectation level was, it was not met. Mm-hmm. They had a nice moment with Hunter and Flair embracing afterwards. Yeah, uh, it's too bad for Batista, who I think uh, both of his you know returns now are kind of mired at and thought of as pretty. That's the frustrating bad. part. You you've seen this guy really rise to the occasion, but mm-hmm. it just it, it didn't come out in this program. Yep, and, you know it was unfortunate because this was his big, this big dream program for him to do as the, the final one of his career, and this probably is it for his career. I would be very surprised if he does another match. Twenty four minutes was certainly way too long too for ambitious. a match of this. I think I, I think that's ego driven is what it is. Just and, and the and the career power. step I think really oh ruined my God. it. It I took forgot, all the drama. I forgot about that. Well, it just it took out any drama for every near fall that Batista had. There was nobody. There was mm-hmm. nobody that was buying Triple H's career ending, even ficti- fictitiously. This made Shane McMahon versus The Miz. Like come across like oh Shane Oka- and the Miz was a significantly better o- like match Omega than Okada compared to this. Alexa Bliss was in the back with the B team modeling the new Daniel Bryan T shirts, and then Ron Simmons walked in for the damn spot. Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle. This went on uh, third oh, from the top. I'm sorry. Oh, let's I, I, let's. I'm really I bad really at this. Everybody, this if this one hit two, I'm going to be disappointed. Any guesses? Uh, I'm going to say one point seven. 
2.63. 2.63 for this match? No, I disagree. Yeah, I, I did not think this was very good. Not at all. Baron Corbin, Kurt Angle. JBL is on commentary for this one. Lots of changes here. Angle hit a belly-to-belly at the beginning, but then Corbin poked him in the eyes to take over and had the heat. Um, Angle was able to roll through. He applied the ankle lock, but Corbin kicked out, hit the deep six for a two-count. Then Corbin ran into the corner. In the audience, there were portions where the crowd was chanting Undertaker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No Undertaker on the show at all. Corbin missed in the corner. He kicked out of the angle slam, and then Angle applied the ankle lock, and Corbin did the deal where he rolled out and sent Angle into the turnbuckle, breaking free. Corbin got up, and he did the you can't see me Mm -hmm. sign, just trolling the crowd. Angle came back with the rolling Germans, and then the audience stood up and cheered as Angle climbed to the top. I was like, oh, my God. I was worried he wouldn't be able to pull this off. He, He came off the top. Missed the moonsault, but he almost landed on his face. So. Yeah, let's say it was better. I was very worried when he climbed up here. I was very worried. It's he rotated. This is the PCO moonsault, the one where you think yes. he's gonna die. Yeah, this was hopefully the last moonsault of his life. And Corbin lifted him, hit end of days, fitting final match or final move for Angle to take. And Baron Corbin pins him in five fifty eight. Yeah, yeah, he lost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously a, a very far cry from how we want to remember Kurt Angle, but this was the best match of his latest run. And I mean, from, you know, the past several, like ever since he announced the retirement step, he's still able to do and take a whole lot of moves, but gone is the speed, gone is the mobility. And I think this was best. This was as nice of a send-off as he was going to get. The moonsault was certainly unexpected. I thought it was a great idea for a finish in that sense, you know? One last big spectacular move that will end up costing him the the match, uh, but, you know, kind of gives an impressive physical feat for for the audience to remember him by. Yeah, and really it was... Angle got his nice moment with the post-match speech. He said he had the time of his life for the past 20 years... He then asked the fans to chant, you suck, which they did mm-hmm. as his closing goodbye. Uh, his family was in the front row that he went up to, and then he left. And I wish it was a heel that I had more belief in having that upside, that this could have been. I, I didn't necessarily, watching this, uh, going in, I thought the right way was just have Angle beat this guy because it's Baron Corbin. Um, they're very high on Baron Corbin. To the point that coming out of this, I'm wondering if he's going to be Seth's first opponent. No oh God. They put him over big here in one of the featured matches at WrestleMania. What I would don't really understand is that And they, if that's your reaction, then, I mean, that tells you about, like, Baron Corbin, that, you know, another heel in this role, I... What I don't get was, like, how much they made fun of the audience not wanting this match, like, in the build-up to this. I thought for sure they were going to, you know, pull some, like, swerve us and give us something. If not John Cena, then somebody else, something else. Um, but instead, it was just like, yeah, we know you don't want this match. We're going to give it to you anyway. And we mm-hmm. gave it to you. And you're going to like, have to accept it. I found that really perplexing of a, of, a, of a way to promote a man's retirement match. But they did it. Um, you know, I was worried this would be even embarrassing. It wasn't. You know, in fact, I found myself pretty engaged throughout. I got to see Kurt Angle kick out of kick out at two point nine 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 one last time, and he's still the best at, at doing something like that. I can't call this match good, but 
you know, by the end, it made for a nice send off for Kurt Angle, given his limitations. So it's all things equal. This was just for this moment. I think it was the best you were going to get. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly not a classic match by any stretch. Um, but it was so that he could retire at WrestleMania. Right. Bobby Lashley versus Finn Balor, second from the top. Uh, got the big entrance from Finn Balor. Uh, but also Lashley, he was wearing these green contact lenses. Uh, did you, did you, were you no, able to see I this? I couldn't see that. I might be in the minority. I thought it looked kind of cool. Like okay. it was like these, he looked like a, like a demon. Yeah. Like he looked like he, I don't know. It, I, I thought the look worked. It was something different for this guy who's very bland. So I yeah. thought it worked. Uh, Balor hit a topic on hero. Uh, then he returned. Lashley hit a bunch of vertical suplexes and gotten a lot of offense until being caught on the floor with a sling blade and the running drop kick. And then Leo Rush distracted Balor, who was on the edge of the apron, allowing Lashley to do the big E spot, spearing Balor to the floor off the apron. So that was his big moment. Um, only downside here, I thought these two were working very hard. They had a limited amount of time. This audience was just... Oh, yeah. They were tapped out. And they were they knew the main event was still to come. And <laughs> trains were, were going to be leaving soon. Um, they were just in a really tough spot. But I thought these guys did work very hard. Uh, it ended when Balor countered Lashley, hit a power bomb, and the coup de grace. So Finn Balor regains the Intercontinental title in four minutes. Before I forget, uh, the audience rated Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle 1.42, and this particular match 2.2. Okay. Yeah. You know, I thought it was fine. It was not too long. Um, I think it came too late in the in the in the in the show for the audience to give it any chance. This was simply not a. This was a match we've had we've seen many times, and not a feud that was at all interesting. Um, I thought you know saving the demon for something like this, you would have expected a bigger reaction for it. Instead, it just felt like any other match. And I would say I don't think they managed to make the demon feel distinct enough from Finn it continues to be I think a problem other than the face paint and the entrance he's just a Finn Balor that maybe never loses and also works a little bit faster I suppose I feel like you should have just not done this at all this whole match cut it out cut save that t- time and instead maybe like have the demon <sighs> win the Andre Battle Royal and but uh, you're gonna laugh at me saving the demon for the Andre Battle World. But I think you could do spots where like you give the demon the giant spots. You know what I mean? He takes everybody out. Everybody bumps for him. It takes like five guys to take the demon out because that'll at the very least create some type of distinction between the regular Finn Balor and the demon Finn Balor beyond what we saw here, which I didn't think was all that much. The audience, uh, they did kind of wake up for the finishing sequence. Um, and it was just, it was a really rough spot. So, this late into the show, we're surpassing the seven-hour mark. It's time for Alexa Bliss to bring out R-Truth and Carmella for a dance break. Oh, man. Unnecessary. They announced the attendance at 82,265. Larger than the last time they were at MetLife Stadium. And Magic. In some time, we will find out the real number that will be lower than this. Uh, they also announced a gate. And the gate is is accurate that they do put out and it was 16.9 million dollars so very impressive it was it was very cold now sitting from from where i was like in the in the arena right yeah um they also ran an ad for next year's wrestlemania april 5th 2020 at raymond james stadium in tampa very heavy on the pirate theme that they are going with so that motif will be 
big next year. WrestleMania, ahoy. Mm -hmm. Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch for the Raw and SmackDown women's titles. First off, Charlotte's entrance, they cut to inside of a helicopter. And there is Charlotte, and she's landing with the SmackDown women's title. And this was an ode to... Ric Flair's entrance at the 1985 Great American Bash. Okay, I didn't when, realize. When he landed cool. in an helicopter. So I thought that was a really cool... Did they mention that on commentary? I don't think they mentioned it. Um, but it, it was it was cool nonetheless. And yeah. I think that the, the those that were aware, it's even cooler when you see the connection there. I thought it was cool, but, uh, like knowing that. But seeing it live, it looked good. But I thought it was on screen for too long. Like, he was just, like, cutting back and forth between Charlotte and the MetLife Center and then back to Charlotte. And remember... It's MetLife Stadium, not MetLife Center. Whatever. Like, this was 11... This was, like, 11.45 that this was all happening. I just wanted to see the match so that I could catch my train or however else I want to go home. I didn't really have time for, like, back and forth helicopter videos. See, I was fine because I was mentally prepared to be in this arena till 1 in the morning. So I went in mm-hmm. with such a ridiculous expectation that I was I was ready. I was ready for whatever this company was going to throw at me. Joan Jett performed Bad Reputation. I thought this was really cool. I, I thought, thought it was really cool, I thought cool this came too. off well. Yeah. Everything was almost perfect about this whole thing, um, except, like, at one point, Craig uh, Hamilton's mic dies. Yes. And that was somewhat unfortunate, like, the main event of WrestleMania. And I saw Greg Hamilton rehearse this thing, because I was, uh, for one time, like, standing kind of near that, that section. He was rehearsing, and now, for the Raw, SmackDown, Women's Championship, and all of a sudden, here's this big moment. And the mic dies at the WrestleMania main event. Somebody's getting fired. Oh, boy. That's not good timing. Uh, Becky Lynch, just her normal entrance. And I thought that was kind of fine. Yeah, she had special hair. Yep. From, from, probably from head and shoulders. She was going to make up fine. Uh, so some of the highlights here of this match. Um, first of all, I, I thought Ronda Rousey's intensity and her selling. That's like, the new character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's really good. Like she's she's really she's good. very good in these situations when obviously there's a heavy amount of layout and she can execute that. But mm-hmm. there's also little things she does that I think are are very good. She is, I think, some. I'm very impressed for someone that has been doing this for one year that she is able to to pull off in a convincing fashion what she does. A hundred percent agreed. Like let's remember that she made her debut a year ago and how much has she has done. At the same time, though. This is the WrestleMania main event, so expectations are way higher. And I think this type of Ronda, I don't think would have been capable of pulling off a WrestleMania main event alone with Becky. I think Charlotte definitely, Charlotte in hindsight, in this match. needed to be in this match for I a main agree. event. I, I think in many ways Charlotte was the best performer in this match. Sure, yeah. Um, Rousey applied the Suzuki armbar onto Charlotte, and Lynch drop-kicked Rousey, who's upside down with the armbar, and she crashed to the floor and, oh, it just like she shifted as mm-hmm. she was passing the apron. And, man, was that an ugly fall. Yeah. Um, Flair went for a moonsault off the top and Lynch was able to avoid it and went for the disarmer when she landed, which was stopped by Rousey, who was returning. Rousey at one point applied a double arm bar to both women. 
I thought it looked a little silly. I think she's done this before. Hasn't she, I think she, she has as well. Like the Riot Squad or something, something like that. Yeah. Um, Rousey kept the submissions on, even though they kind of slammed her with a power bomb. Eventually, they broke free. Lynch was constantly rolling for the disarmor onto Rousey, but Rousey would make it to the rope. Uh, Charlotte hit Lynch with a Spanish fly. Uh, we saw a close-up of Rousey's leg, which just looked all cut up and mm-hmm. swollen. It just looked nasty from these, uh, like, it, it looked like she had just been damaged by leg kicks or something. But um, Flair applied the figure eight onto Rousey, and Lynch broke that, coming off the top with a guillotine leg drop. And then Becky brought a table into the ring, and Rousey tipped it over, saying, tables are for bitches. Ouch. Yeah, there was a lot of name-calling in this. Um, So later, Flair was sent through the table in the corner, and then it comes down to Rousey and Lynch fighting one another. Rousey lifted her for Piper's pit, and Lynch countered it with a crucifix, pinning Ronda totally out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I think many people were surprised this was the finish. 21 minutes, 28 seconds to win both titles, and Rousey is immediately arguing that both shoulders were not down, disputing the finish and clearly uh, setting up a rematch. I don't know how else you can read this. Sure. Did uh, they replay it at all? Uh, yeah, they re- they replayed it, but I mean, any, they were, con- any controversy? The announcers were calling attention to Rousey complaining. Okay. Um, so that was definitely acknowledged. Yeah, I mean, listen, I uh, I thought the match was good. Maybe even very good. At times, I thought it was very good. Yeah, but cert- I wouldn't call it great, in my opinion. I wouldn't call it a classic, which I think were are very high expectations, obviously. But this is also the, the, the first women's WrestleMania main event. And so I think the best best case scenario was that this ended up being a memorable match that everybody would be talking about for years to come. I thought it was a satisfying match. I thought it worked. But I don't think it was. It will be a match that many people will be talking about as one of the great matches of WrestleMania. This was not. This was not Charlotte and Becky from Evolution. Not as good as that. Um, I think it suffered from a tired audience. That's the, the number. This crowd one. was tired. It's the number one thing. Yep. The number one reason why this match to me wasn't as perhaps strong as it, as it, as the Kofi. Well, the Kofi one was strong. This for on other a four or five too. hour show, I think, would have yeah. had a significantly hotter crowd. The outcome I felt was predictable. You know, I, I mean, I don't know how, how the average fan feels, but I think, again, putting it at a WrestleMania main event kind of telegraphs a babyface win, but that's just me. Um, and I think interest in Becky Lynch might have peaked months ago, whereas I think interest in Kofi right now is still very much at its peak. I, you know, without knowing what the next direction is, I I wasn't crazy about the, like, Becky just, like, Having the disputed finish, I think that if this is the time to beat Ronda, I would much rather she get the big win at WrestleMania versus doing this again in four weeks on the next pay-per-view. That's going to be less memorable. Like, this was the time to do the big win for Becky and not have it go off as a disputed finish Mm -hmm. that I think that this should have been the solid win for Becky. And, like, I, you can keep it open for a rematch, but I, I... I wasn't crazy about that. This was the match. This right. was the match to be the one that will be referenced forever in the WWE's history. Mm-hmm. This is the match that these women are going to be linked to. It's the first time it's headlined WrestleMania. So I wouldn't have done a disputed finish in such a significant match. Um, well, that's why I'm kind of curious how they presented it. Uh, like act- the actual finish finish itself, was there controversy about when she kicked out? Or was it simply like them presenting Ronda as having sour grapes and making something out of nothing? I certainly took it as... Ronda complaining about the finish. Rather than, like, it was legitimate. Like, it did look legitimate, right? 
uh, the presentation was that it was a legitimate pinfall. See, right? I, I didn't get a great angle to, to see um, right. if she actually okay. had a, a shoulder up or not. But it okay. certainly came off as, oh, this is where they're going, that Ronda's going to... I mean, demand a rematch. Well, at least live, like that. None of that. None of that really came across, and it just felt like it was a legitimate championship victory from Becky Lynch. Yeah. Right. Sudden, but like I think you know what what this audience wanted. It was good. It was everything it needed to be. But uh, certainly, the emotional high point and talk coming out of this WrestleMania was with Kofi Kingston. Yeah, absolutely. And just to go back to that, I mean, sometimes we have seen where the announcers have called stuff that is that they're just seeing, but. You know, the main event of WrestleMania, I don't see them calling that out unless that was the, the clear directive yeah, uh, for such a big moment to be yep. questioning the finish. Yep. So um, we'll see. I think Monday night will give us a sense of is Ronda going away? Is she doing a rematch in the next month or so with mm-hmm. Becky Lynch? I do think that it was obvious they did not want Becky to pin Charlotte. And I think that they want to keep those two apart. And then you can go back. That Maybe that's next year at WrestleMania. Maybe they can keep them apart that long. Maybe. I think they're going to go to separate brands. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I like the match, but you're right. It wasn't the match of the show. Nothing to be touched, Kofi, on this show. I thought it was the most hyped match on the show. Certainly. But it was not the best match on the show. Yes, yeah. I agree. I thought it was the number one match going in. So Grapple thought this was 3.58 out all of right. 5, which yeah. is very that respectable. very high on yeah. the scale. So, you know, I thought, especially at certain moments, like I thought this was really clicking well. And then there were others where... The crowd was out of it. Um, overall, though, I like the match. I like the match. So I like the match too, but um, could have been better. Overall, uh, WrestleMania way. I enjoy it, um, but I always enjoy it when I'm watching in a live setting with like a rabid audience. And again, like whenever I'm kind of in these situations, just like I was last year or the year before, I really don't feel myself getting tired. Because I'm there with so much energy, and I mean, covering the the, the, the shows as often as I do, I'm I, I am invested in most of these outcomes, right? Um, and I thought like there were some very obvious kind of like weak points of this show. That being uh, Demon versus Lashley, I could have done without. You could have scrapped that. Roman versus McIntyre, well, I thought was was bad. I thought Triple H versus Batista was bad. Um, a lot you could have definitely cut out to make this a good four hour, five hour show. Um, but I'm left with thinking about my highlights of the show, and that's Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. To me, I think maybe at this point, one of the best WrestleMania matches or mm, WrestleMania like feelings I've had. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, overall, I, I enjoyed the experience. I thought it was a much better match than I thought it would be. I thought yeah, this was going to be very much built upon the reaction to the finish, but they had a very good match. Um, yeah, I thought that this was, if I was giving this, WrestleMania a grade? Yes, give it a letter grade. I, I would probably go B. I, I go B. I can't go higher than that. But I'm also not going to go lower than that. Either. Yeah, I mean, I think I would go B, B minus. You know, yeah, like uh, depending on on your scale. But I sure. Yeah, I you know the length is the length. I will say up until maybe Hunter and Batista, like I thought that they did a fairly good job at the pacing of the show. Brock Rollins to start, I thought worked out really well. Yeah, like yeah. they had they had three like sub five, six minute matches. Yeah. And I, I thought that they kept things moving. Like a match ended, they were they were very quick. There was no backstage limited backstage mm-hmm. stuff. I mean they were very quick, like the B team and um so I I thought the pacing, this show did not drag to me 
Like I always compare it to the WrestleMania in Dallas, which was a much shorter show than this. But that one to me was just the never ending show. And I thought that this one, for the most part, moved pretty well. Although they they did have some issues later in the show. Mm -hmm. So that is our thoughts on WrestleMania. Um, What are we at here time wise? About two hours. Okay. Uh, are we going to feedback? I, I'm I'm fine if you want to. Okay. Uh, let's pull up. Let's here. go to feedback. Let's do it. Uh, first of all, John put up a a, a a poll here. Out of a scale of one to twenty, how did you guys think WrestleMania ranked? The answer is fourteen point seven nine. Fourteen. So I guess divided by ten, that's like a seven point three something. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it seems most people enjoyed this show. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's read it. I I don't know if we'll get to all of these. I don't know if my voice is going to last. We've been awake for a long time. It is almost five in the morning. We started our day, (coughs) yeah, like pretty early. We've been up for about 20 hours. Okay. Jalen from from Pickering. Uh, Kofi Kingston. That was my match of the weekend. I feel basically every right person won, especially the big ones. It's just a shame that they either booked a terrible finish or someone goofed. The set and entrances were below the standard that they've been recently, but Kofi made me cry, so it's okay. And then up next we go to Chris, who says, Kofi winning the the title was a great moment. Sometimes when WWE has a wide open shot, they manage to shoot themselves in the foot, and I'm glad it didn't happen here. The SmackDown tag team title match was fun, although seeing Rick and Al lose in tag title matches three times in a week seems pretty pointless. I'm probably alone here, but I was entertained by Batista and Triple H. A lot due to some unintentional comedy. Slips, falls, tables refusing to break, Triple H's entrance looking more like twisted metal on PS2 rather than what he was going for in Mad Max, and a lot of silly spots and tools. Regardless of all the camp in the match, I was entertained, and that's what I look for in a Mania match. MJ from NJ, who we met. Yes. At the show this uh, weekend. Says the crowd couldn't wait to leave and stayed to see Becky win. That said, didn't feel like anyone bit on near falls and the finish suffered and fell flat. Then a mass exodus. I actually want to watch this match back as I feel it could have been terrific if it was done on Mania Sunday, not Monday. On the flip side, Kofi stole the night and this match was awesome. Even before the finish, I'd put that on par with the two main events from NXT and MSG. Yes, we got one of the biggest feel-good Mania moments ever, but man, did they wrestle a really high-caliber match. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, we go to Eric from Sudbury who says, I really enjoyed the show, although the crowd seemed done for the last hour or two. I really enjoyed AJ Orton and Brian Kofi. Both those pairings had great chemistry. Michael Cole's voice was shot by the main event. Give that man a vacation. I think our voices. I'm to getting to that point. I'm at Michael Cole level myself. Jay from Colorado. Uh, Best WrestleMania in years. Lots of highlights for me, but getting Thugonomic Cena with a pocket full of pistachios was something I never knew I always wanted. Kurt losing sucked, though, but I guess you always have to go out on your back. Subtracting points also for the unnecessary destruction of Michael Cole's voice cords. Five out of seven. Sam from Tennessee. Tremendous show. Definitely among my favorite WrestleManias. Kofi Bryan is the best match that I've seen this year, and I teared up at the finish. Most of the other matches delivered with the main low light being the lethargic Batista Triple H match. Michael from Newfoundland. Half decent show overall. Let's see how the WWE Universe reacts now that it has everything it wants with all three faces going over. Hmm. I mean, we saw the rea- we see the reaction. It's a seven point something out of ten rating, which People is were 
pretty yeah, happy strong. with the outcomes. Chris from Pennsylvania. The first half of the show was great, but things noticeably started to drag after Kofi won the championship. I'm sure a lot of the discussion will be on the Kofi and Becky matches, but I just want to hit on some quick points about some of the other things I really liked. I love the story they told in AJ Orton with Styles having scattered the RKO. The SmackDown tag title match was fun. Props to Cesaro and Ricochet for the long swing spot. The Miz-Shane match was better than I thought it would be. I really liked the aggression in The Miz. Bolo from Southampton, UK. Shame the crowd was stone dead for the main event and two messy spots took the shine off the finish. I was surprised that that's after Seth and Kofi won that Becky still went over. The nature of the roll-up finish suggests Ronda might stick around, perhaps, or were they just protecting her? Overall, a better show than I expected, though. 14 out of 20. Probably sticking around is what, how, you, how you looked at it. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and also the fact that, you know, she was not submitted as well in keeping that. Maybe Oro could have just been to protect her, perhaps. Or if you I mean, there's, I'm, I'm certain that they believe that, you know, she's going to be doing another match. It's just a question right. of when. And it, probably Monday you'll get that sense. If she is going away, they'll make it very clear. Andy from London, far, far too long. The crowd died with which affected the matches. Good booking. Match quality was generally lacking. I'm really tired. It's 5.30 a.m. Rich from Winnipeg. Again, this message here was quantity, not quality. The obvious high point was Kofi's title win, and after that, with the exception of the retro Cena, they struggled with regaining that point in the show. You could tell that the length of this show really took the crowd out by the time of the main event, but you can tell they wanted to see Becky win. I'm already hearing a mass exodus after that. All in all, thumbs in the middle. Jamie from Leamington. It's 5.30 a.m. here in the UK. Mania is too long. This was written four hours ago, yeah. this feedback. It's now 5.30 a.m. for us. Yeah. Almost. Too much of the show was unnecessary, and overall a weird mania that was greater than the sum of its parts. Apart from Kofi, nothing hit the highest levels, but I still found it to be a very enjoyable show, although I did take a nap partway through. Joey from Queens. I was happy to see that Vince didn't overthink the finish to the big three matches, but this show was way overbloated, and a few of the matches suffered for it. However, in spite of its downsides, this was the most fun I've had at a wrestling event in a long time. Outside of the slower parts, my only big problem was the ending of the main event. If you have to ask yourself, was the ending botched? You did something wrong. Hmm. Sean from Toronto, I'm going to get straight to the point. WrestleMania this year was way too long, and I didn't like having to watch a show where the main event started at midnight. WWE needs to really consider making this a two-night event if they want to keep having this many matches. Kofi's win could have been a natural end point for night one, and there would have still been a three-hour show remaining. Okay, from Grit Gritner. A lot of people thought it looked botched, the the finish. Huh. Okay, maybe I'll rewatch it. Grit Gritner, a flash pin in the main event of WrestleMania. A flash pin. Don't know if anyone noticed, but it's clear the security team at MetLife Stadium was better than the team at the Barclays Center. When Becky was walking down the ramp, I saw a fan waving the Irish flag, but then one security guard took hold of it and then threw it right back in the fan's face. Kofi Bryan was easily match of the night. AJ Orton exceeded somewhat high expectations, and the Miz-Shane match was better than it had any right to be thanks to Mr. Miz. I like how they celebrated the 17th anniversary of WrestleMania 17 by doing the same spot onto a bunch of crash pads, though this time the camera picked up on it long before the replays. The commentators made note of there being a golf cart in that Miz match, but sadly didn't do another X7 callback by driving it all over the place. And then, at the exact point that Miz was actually getting over huge as a babyface, they just had to make him look dumb and pretty much pin himself. Okay, I'm rewatching the finish right now. Look. Well, let's see. Here it comes. See? So, yeah, it is. They did do a dispute. Disputed mm. finish. Yeah. 
I mean, the announcers called attention to it, yeah. like, immediately. I mean, I, I, I do agree with a lot of these people then complaining about that. Becky's win should have been legitimate, you know? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Well, I'm saying, like, it's one thing for the heel to complain about something that was legitimate that they think wasn't legitimate. It's another thing for it to truly be, in the eyes of instant replay, illegitimate. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was the thing. Mm. I mean, it seems like it's going to... Uh, clearly open to rematch just a question of when mm -hmm. okay we got a Jeremy from Texas who says I like to think of Triple H as a smart wrestling mind but having the longest match on the show at about 25 minutes I just don't get it overall I thought it was a good show but the endings to these marathon Wrestlemanias have seemed flat not since Wrestlemania 31 with Rollins cashing in has it seemed the crowd was buzzing when the show ended John and Way what are your thoughts if you have the energy well that's what the rest of this two hour podcast is that's for. it we, we, we're almost out of thoughts all right, I'm going to go down here to uh, Steve from Cambridge. I finished watching this show with the people I invited sleeping all around me. Not a bad show, but it's a tough watch. Entrances weren't that elaborate. Stage was a bit boring. Highlights were the Kofi Bryan match. Seen a spot with Elias. Women's match was good. Wish that ref had done a recount after the shoulders stopped bouncing. Not a bad show, but when only two out of eight people actually make it to the end, something has to be done. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback. We can't get to everybody, but... Uh We've uh, done a lot of talking today, and um, this is like the biggest night of the year for us, and we uh, accomplished a lot. Um, thank you, John, for uh, being such a great partner, doing all of this, and doing such a great job at it. I think uh, I was happy with everything. No, this was a really great trip for us. Uh, thanks as well to, to Wei and a lot of the planning he put into the, the live show and all the work into this. And to all the listeners we met, it was, I don't think we've ever met this many listeners mm -hmm. on, a, on a trip like this. It's been really, really uh, fantastic uh, to meet so many so of So many you. nice words are, have been said to us over the, over the past uh, several days from not just like you know listeners, but also from our peers in the industry. So thank you to everybody who uh, said something nice about us. It's been it's been a great week just to kind of get to like talk to those people as well. Yeah, it's uh, it was the highlight of my trip getting to meet all of you guys. Uh, we ha we have a really great uh, listener base, and we that's definitely what, that's are what very appreciative of and it. And that's what even like uh, other people in the industry like to tell us about us. Like our numbers aren't huge. They're not like you know I don't even think they're like Bruce and Conrad levels, but like they're you know we're we have the I think I I'm I have, I'm I'm confident in saying we have the most loyal fan base of of anybody so thank you again for everybody we're very appreciative of all of you uh for making it as well to the end of this show so thanks so much uh way and i'll be back monday night when we're in toronto we'll be reviewing raw the night after wrestlemania from the barclays center uh plus smackdown tuesday night uh very busy week coming ahead because there'll be plenty coming out of Wrestlemania so all our regular shows Raw on Monday night Smackdown and the double shot on Tuesday night uh, so tune into that lots to discuss and we will get some sleep <laughs>